what's happening to you these days? Having lots of fun? Believe me, I know some folks that are in for some fun. Take a minute. See what's in it. But you can see how dangerous this could be. But first, we're going to have a little fun tonight, folks. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast, or Vlogcast, or Vodcast. I can never remember what the live version of these are called. Uh, but it's me, your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, and joining me today is Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Mr. Lee Price, who's down, down, down there. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Matt Lovell, who's in that corner. Yeah, welcome for our fifth anniversary. Um, yeah, five years. People get less for murder. <laughs> How are we all doing? Keith, what have you been up to since the last time we recorded? The last time we recorded. Uh, what I've been mostly doing is since last night, because uh, Disney Plus put The Muppets, the original 1970s show, on their stream, so you can watch all five seasons, which I'm more excited about than should be allowed. But the thing that's fascinating the most is what was considered celebrities. <laughs> um, but again, if they put the Muppet Show out now, it'd be Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and, you know, um, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm going through the list of stars that are on um, the Muppets, and it's like Ethel Merman. Still, like, some people I can't even remember. You know, obviously there's the classic ones like Mark Hamill. Or I was going to say, it was like, wasn't like the entire cast of Star Wars on the Muppets at least once. They weren't <laughs> until season four. So for years and years, and I remember watching this on, on ATV as yeah. it was back in the 70s. It was like Sunday afternoon about quarter past five. Um, and it was like, these are these are what was considered celebrities. In the 70s. And it's quite incredible the list of, of names. You just go, Cesar Romero or something like Oh my god, you know, kids today just don't know how unlucky they are because we had, like, you know, we had Ethel Merman to entertain us. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. Uh, I do believe Dick Van Dyke is on there. Zero Mostel, I think, is on there. I'm sure. Yeah. Who are they? Bob Hope. Yeah, Bob Hope's in there. Uh, I, think, I think Gene Kelly's on at one point as well. Yeah. Like, Stars who were stars that were in the 1940s, they were hugely popular in the 1970s. Yeah. They didn't have the Bay City Rollers, obviously a very disappointing scenario. Yeah. No Nokens. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go through the entire Muppets back catalogue. It's perfect time. It's the, uh, it's Christopher Island, I think he's 30 years old or something. It was like a couple of days ago. Would be, uh, yeah. The anniversary of it being released. Upstage lads, this is the number. <laughs> One of, the, one of the greatest musicals of all time. What do you think, Treasure Island or Christmas Carol? I think Christmas Carol is still the best one for me. Mm-hmm. It's very specifically a Christmas thing, though, Treasure Island. Yeah. <laughs> Treasure Island. <laughs> we all cut up our legs and hover around like pirates over Christmas. Yeah. I do love a lot about the um, Treasure Island, though, as well. Got some great songs. Mm-hmm. As I always say, it's Hans Zimmer's greatest score. <laughs> you get at me, Hans Pipeline. And the other big announcement this week is that I managed to get a copy of Rachel Smith. Mm-hmm. If people followed us online before, you could know that we've been um, talking a lot about her quarantine comics. And then she did a, uh, hourly comics a couple of weeks ago. And she's packaged them all together in a lovely little 
three pound package you can get through our Etsy store. Um, so everything you think of the days in there, and you get a postcard and a business card as well. Yeah. Um, so if you've got three pounds to spare, Rachel's well worth uh, looking at uh, that. I think it's Rachel underscore is her Twitter. We'll put that out at some point later on. Yeah. Um, so go and, go and support artists. Mm-hmm. And it is a beautiful piece of work that she does on. Those business cards are really nice. Right, okay, I shall see if I can fix that with the audio. This is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> They're just saying it's just you they can hear, Ryan. Yeah. Um, obviously. It's, it's all a ruse. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Ryan show. <laughs> um, so I have been watching that um, Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. As a fan of weird internet mysteries, it is, of course something that was right up my street and I have seen that original like elevator video from that hotel before she went for it at least a lamb went missing very very interesting documentary um it's also like it was I enjoyed it mostly because it, they were trying to cut through the weird conspiracy nonsense that exists online around it uh trying to get past all the, the weird supernatural angle and find out like what really happened what was really going on um and it, yeah, it was just, it was really, really interesting to see, like, they brought in just the state of the era around the hotel. There was things like interviews with the management who were, you know, the the manager just is not the kind of person you expect it to be at all. And it's great. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just, and it's, it's just my favorite thing about it was just when you've got all these like conspiracy theorists and web sleuths talking about like, you know, oh, they were covering up this thing and they were covering up this thing and then you've got the coroner turn around and say, yeah, we were just waiting for the toxicology results to come back. There wasn't a conspiracy. It was just, it just takes a while for that, those results to come through. <laughs> and it's yeah. just funny when you've got these like actual LAPD detectives who are very serious in the process and, you know, putting evidence together properly and then you go, yeah, but but what if she was a biological weapon? And it's like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the thing with always the detective series. There's always got to be an ulterior behind it somewhere, hasn't there? That's that's always the thing. But. Well, that's 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 what struck me watching it though is that you've got all these web sleuths who clearly have watched far too many crime dramas, where like the toxicology, they you know they send off the toxicology report, go out for a coffee, come back, it's on their desk, which is not how it works in real life. And policing in real life is a lot more boring than anything that's in those and. And when things take longer than expected and just yeah, they just scream conspiracy. It's like, no, it's just it's just that they've got like a backlog of cases for the past four weeks and it's now at the end of the queue. So it's like, oh, why did it take till June for the results to come out? Because they had enough cases that it took them until June to do the yeah. to do the tests. Yeah. And you've been ce- celebrating your own special birth to- anniversary, I should say, rather than yes. birthday. It's birthday, anniversary, same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my in a weird coincidence, this podcast and my YouTube channel have the exact same anniversary. The 19th February is when we both started our respective yeah. projects. Um, so for the whole week, I've been doing a, 
a retrospective series of videos just looking back at content I used to do and where I went right, where I went wrong, that sort of thing, and sort of ending it in a big sort of, because I'd had a big relaunch last year and changed all the content I was doing and just kind of looked back at how that was performing and where things go next. Mm -hmm. So that was that was fun. Yeah, some really big, interesting changes coming up. I'm really looking forward to the chapter select series. That's that's, mm -hmm. that's recoming soon. I mean, like, fundamentally, it's going to be the same as losing the plot, but it's just the name is different. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've renamed all all of those videos anyway <laughs> already. The great renaming. Yes. It's just, it's just going to be confusing when you watch them back, and I'm explicitly calling it losing the plot in the episode, but I'm just, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've put it in the description. I've explained it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Matt, how about yourself? What have you been up to the last few weeks since we spoke to you? Um, so since we've been obviously back into lockdown i've sort of gone and regressed back to my teenage self so i've been in my room playing a lot of games listening to a lot of like angry music i did back when i was a teenager <laughs> and the latest uh sort of iteration of this is i've started going back and watching misfits which is yes uh 2009 drama about the uh group of uh, sort of young offenders who get caught in a freak storm and they all have superpowers and um re-watching it just reminds me of just how much I loved that kind of period of Channel 4 where it was like really good story writing so you had skins as well but it's really good story writing really good music and they had a really good balance of kind of drama comedy you know it was always quite good and also this was before I guess the whole superhero uh sort of thing really got back into it so before well cinematic universe really started going you started having those more things on tv so it was quite a nice uh way of doing what would happen if a bunch of sort of london teenagers get superpowers and that's exactly what would happen <laughs> yeah i mean it's my first introduction to robert sheehan who keith absolutely loves in the umbrella academy I think it's, he's your standout character for that. But surprisingly, how many like young, famous English actors come out of that series? Especially into Game of Thrones, there was a lot of crossover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of Robert Sheehan played Nathan. Like his mum was uh, uh, Catherine uh, Stark. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's loads of it. And also, um, I can't pronounce his name, Ian. Ian. Rian. Yeah. I think. You? Uh, obviously, he became yeah. the uh, Ramsey Bolton, the like most hated character since Joffrey. So it's really interesting seeing where they all sort of like grassroots came from. I apologise for that. That was Ian Rian going just past on his motorcycle, I believe. Mispronouncing yeah. um, his name is going to hit me. <laughs> Yeah, I love Misfits. Uh, it's a show that didn't, it was a cult favourite, but I don't think it got enough recognition at the time it was out. But it's the joy of streaming now that you can catch back up on quality shows like this. And I think it was one of those shows where it takes a really odd turn. Or is it season three where Robert Sheehan decides to leave and then like they bring in pretty much a brand new cast? Yeah, they kind of replaced it over a couple of seasons. Mm. But, they, you know, you do get Joe Geigen, who's who's brilliant, because yeah. he's just himself, because um, he does he does Brassic now, yeah. which is just kind of almost a kind of um, 
twin to, to, to misfits it's the same kind of feel except they haven't got superpowers mm. um yeah misfits was great because i mean obviously it had some of the best swearing on tv <laughs> um which you know isn't a bad thing yeah uh, good swearing i like it but yeah the whole the whole thing about that show was really great the whole concept of the, the superpowers and mm-hmm. how you would misuse them yeah um yeah it was really good great show yeah the, the milk one still gets me every time i watch that episode <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers there but yeah the milk episode is is a standout <laughs> and I, th- I think just just the last point is was just the music because i was i was re-watching it being like i like you know the rapture you had lcdc sound system you know that kind of thing and i'm just there being like one one song after the other i was there being like oh my god yes like just, <laughs> it was a massive nostalgia was it like a night out in snobs around 2009 <laughs> 2010 for you <laughs> i think it perfectly captures the british sensibility around like comics and superheroes as well because in, in america you get cw shows like arrow and um the flash and whatever it is and in britain you get misfits so yeah <laughs> we, we know how to do it in britain <laughs> So, Ryan, what have you been up to? Uh, well, not only have I been getting ready for this birthday stream, uh, I've appeared, well, I will be appearing on Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour, who's another podcast, and you'll be hearing a little bit from Stacey later on in the show, but I was the guest host for her podcast for this month. And it made me need to re-watch Alien and Alien Covenant, and I realised how great Alien is and how bad Alien Covenant is, just as a comparison <laughs> between like, both ends of the Alien spectrum. The only thing I would say for Alien Covenant is it makes Prometheus better somehow. <laughs> it seems to be impossible, but yeah, it's like Ridley Scott at the start and his end of his career. You're like, mm, yeah, there's, there's some mistranslation gone in there. But I went down this big rabbit hole of like the alien connected universe because you've got to include Predator in there, of course. And then there's the Soldier movie with Kurt Russell because of the Blade Runner connection with the Wayland Yutani Corps. And then you've also got Firefly and Serenity mixed in there. It's kind of like this weird alternate space universe, that little bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, also, finally rewatched all of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, rewatched the final space trailer about thirty times now, <laughs> which just looks so dark and depressing and miserable, but at the same time amazing. And it's like, yeah, I'm. I'm... Really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, if you've not watched Final Space, I really do recommend it. it both series are streaming on Netflix in the UK. I think it's moved to HBO Max in the US if you're over there. So really do go check those out. They are amazing shows to watch. Go and, go and see that. But other than that, pretty much that's been it for my geeky things. Oh, and getting some lovely geeky rubber t-shirts printed, which we're all wearing. <laughs> I'll, do my, I'll do my Superman reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we will. I guess I need to work out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but uh, right now we're going into Comic of the Week, and then we'll be back after that for the setting of the scene challenge. So we'll see you shortly. And now it's time to take a look at some recent comics in the Geeky Brummy pull list. This week are from Boom Studios. We have Once and Future number 16. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Dan Mora and colours by Tamara Bonvillain. 
In this issue, surrounded by British government forces, Nimue calls for backup. But will Merlin and Galahad help stop the opposition or expose Britain to the truth? Meanwhile, British and Duncan are trapped in the other world and blocking their exit is Arthur's greatest knight, Lancelot. Coming up from Marvel Comics, we have New Mutants number 16. This is written by Vita Alia with art by Rod Rees. And in this issue, to be reborn in the wild hunt. Someone is looking for their friends in all the wrong places. Someone else is missing without a trace, and plans which have long been in motion begin to unfurl. Then we have X-Men number 18, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Mahmoud Azar. In this issue, Inside the Vault. It's been a long time since the team went into the vault. A long time. And the last comic we're looking at from IDW is Star Trek Year 5 number 19. This is written by Jim McCann with art by Angel Hernandez. In this issue, a pandemic raging across Alpha Centauri, a powerful enemy aboard the Enterprise. With death lurking around every corner, the crew will face one of their greatest challenges yet in this shocking conclusion. And finally, Geeky Brummy is greatly saddened to hear that writer Cy Spencer has passed away suddenly this week. Cy worked for many years on titles like 2008 Judge Dredd magazine, Vertigo titles like Hellblazer and Neil Gaiman's Books of Magic. In later years, he's gone on to write things like The Velvet Underground, uh, Slash and Burn and Klaxon and his own title Bodies. Um, Geeky Brummy, along with all of the comics community, uh, extend their heartfelt condolences to size, family and friends. And on that sad note, it's back to the main show. And we're back. Thanks very much for the roundup of the comics, Keith. Uh, check out the Geeky Brummy website and everything is on there every Wednesday where Keith goes through and does a great pull list, uh, massive selection of some of the best comic books for your collection. And anything else in that you do a meanwhile section as well, Keith, to keep us up to date on comic news? Yeah, this week was just a roundup of a couple of um, announcements from uh, 2000 and Rebellion. And they just announced a bunch of um, audio plays that they're doing based around Slain, uh, Halo Jones and Judge Dredd. Uh, their specials for the year and also some other uh, books that have got coming out later on in the year. So it's, it's always worth checking out the meanwhile section for a bit of news. Mm-hmm. All right, it's now time for the Setting the Scene Challenge. So if you've not listened to the podcast previously, uh, we usually take a movie or TV series or a bit of pop culture, and then we challenge ourselves to recreate a key moment or scene from that particular film or TV series, and then like have a face-off on our Twitter by a poll each each few episodes uh but i've decided to change it up this week so i'm not going to get involved because i'm running the desk at the same time as presenting today but i'm going to set keith lee and matt the challenge of recreating a video game over the course of the show easy (laughs) (laughs) for lee this is probably the easiest competition ever but i think keith and matt are probably like slightly a bit worried about this one but um, I have chosen, considering we had a Nintendo Direct this I mean, week. already you can see video game merchandise right behind me. <laughs> yeah. But because it was a Nintendo Direct this week, I thought I'd choose the, the, the task of recreating a Mario video game. So it's got to be from the main Mario series. So you can't have, like, Super Smash Brothers or Mario Sonic, the Olympic games. It's got to be a Mario game. So over the course of the show... Whilst we're playing out some of the interviews, these guys will go away and be rough and see what they can come up with. <laughs> so when you when you say main main Mario series, do you mean just the platformers? Uh, do we allow rabbits? 
I'm thinking just the platformers. Okay. We'll, we'll include we'll include Galaxy and Sunshine and those ones like that. Basically, where ones okay. where Mario is the main character. Yeah. So no I think parts at, at, or anything. Yeah. At this point, I it, that's just you know not relevant. It's uh, it's just going to be <laughs> difficult enough as it is. Yeah. Right, so uh, we're going into the interview now. Uh, the lovely Adam Woodhull, who was our first ever guest five years ago on the Geeky Brummy Show. Uh, we decided to catch up with him and see what he's doing around 3D printer and maker spaces. And go and check it out. So back in a second. Adam, welcome back for our fifth anniversary special. It's been five years. I think I've done your show twice. Yeah, you were first ever guest back on the wow. first I, ever show I, I, five I, years ago i remember you being quite nervous yeah i i there was, there was quite it was quite i was on it a few months later again i think and it was <laughs> you'd obviously got the hang of it by then but i think it was quite yeah. it was quite fun it was uh yeah. in that little room in digbeth yeah it was crazy to think it's been five years since that first show where we were the first ever live show on brum radio at the time and yeah were you the first one five. yeah we were i didn't like, we launched on that day, on that Saturday, and we were like the first official live show. It had all been just pre-recorded music before then. Oh, flipping heck. Go flipping heck. But you survived. You're still yeah. doing it. You haven't worked. You've survived it. Yeah, the world's changed a bit now. We're a podcast now rather than a radio show. But, but yeah, well, it's... Uh, but, but hey, hey still, still, still doing it. It's, uh... Yeah, still doing it, still doing it. So we thought we'd invite back some great and wonderful guests of the past and of course as you being our first ever guest when you was back on talking about Fizzpop back many moons ago we thought we'd catch up with you see how you've been coping over the lockdown and the pandemic and what you've been up to and how your geeky interests have been pulling through yeah. over that time I think I think I think the lockdown has been interesting um I think because I'm working in IT as my day job I think I'm lucky that I've been really busy throughout uh, kept working and it's, um, you know, and in some respects, you know, I've got to do projects that I wouldn't have wouldn't have got involved in otherwise. So it's been quite fun from that point of view. Um, but the but I think I've not had the, the free time I had for some of my projects, um, but I'm looking forward to them all coming back. So one of my, you know, I'm still involved in Pop. We have an online meeting every Wednesday for members and we'll have a chat about what we're doing and what's going on. So we're all sort of working on projects still. Um, I think we're. I think a lot of the members were sort of all working on stuff when we come back. We're thinking of, of having, and at the moment we haven't set the rules yet, but we're thinking of having a mini robot sumo league. So people people nice. can build mini robots yeah. and have mini robots in wrestling. So when we can have events again, we can all get together and sort of have, have, have miniature robot battles. Um, so we've been chat- chatting about that a lot over last year. We sort of, a lot of us started building them. I haven't got mine here. <laughs> it's somewhere else but there's um but yeah so we've been in that so that's sort of carried on in the background we it's obviously not as fun without having a physical space with laser cutters and uh you know and tools because I, I think a lot of my tools because of work taking over my house have ended up in the shed so a lot of my stuff's in the shed so i don't have quite as much time as home because i haven't I need to have a bit of a divide between sort of work and my personal life. I think the other thing that I think that, you know, I think that we're kind of working on in the background is 3D Meetup, which we did, we've done two of. They've become a really popular event. We got some quite good press, which is just an event where we get the compute, the 3D printing community together, people who build printers, people who are interested in 3D printing. We've done two of those. So the last one was in 2019. 
obviously couldn't do it last year. It's very much a physical event, but obviously we're constantly trying to keep that alive and have a plan for when it's safe to do that event again. Um, I think we got about about 280 people for the last one we did in Birmingham. But if you look at the ones around Europe, you'll get a lot of them have over a thousand attendees. So we hope it, we were hoping last year would have been our year for that. And we were ready to, to organize big events. Um, but then it's, we just can't afford to commit the cash to booking venues until, until COVID's gone away, really. Um, but it's an interesting event and uh, it will be back, I think. Yeah, it's interesting to see because as you said, uh, maker spaces and 3D printing and a lot of that and a lot of the innovation and growth comes from being able to speak to somebody in a kind of face-to-face -face kind of view and demonstrating the product and showing what it can do. But pivoting to online, has it been a bit of a difficult thing for that kind of 3D printing? Yeah, thing? I mean, a lot of us, a lot of the people who came to 3D Meetup, we have a little group, groups of us that chat on Twitter occasionally and things like that. Um, I think early in lockdown, 3D printing was massive. So I, I helped loads of people get their printers going because we were printing like ear defender, ear, ear protectors for people wearing masks all day. I think we sent, I think we must have done several thousand that went into the hospitals and care homes around Birmingham. But then obviously once production had come up and they could buy them off the shelf for pence, people yeah. didn't need to 3D print them at home. But a lot of us sort of the first three months of lockdown put a lot of effort into printing, printing things like face shields and things like that. Um, it's really, it was interesting. It was quite nice to be part of that. I was working, so I had a 3D printer above my head here, printing off <laughs> stuff pretty much, um, pretty much all, you know, all day, every day for about two months. Yeah. Um, which was quite, it's quite nice to be part of that. And because we sort of, a lot of makers and people like myself do focus on events. Like we know, like last year, we would have had a UF camp that would have been 3D meetup. EMF camp is a big sort of maker camp that where people come from all over Europe. And camp out and show off projects and make things in a big field every every other year they usually run them and we didn't have those events last year um like make a central at the end of the we just didn't have them so so some of us decided to try and fix our houses or um or just get try and get involved in things um but yeah it's, i think it'll be interesting looking back on this period but like the whole maker community of sort of some people would have done amazing projects because they have finally had time to do it and other of us would have sort of without that community to drive us and seeing people probably haven't done as much i think it's be quite interesting yeah. to see what comes out of it in a year sort of a year after sort of covid i think that will be an interesting conversation mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's really interesting to hear about that rapid scaling up at the time as you mentioned at the start of the pandemic and how something like a 3d printer which sounds like it's just futuristic technology but can be really useful in the situation where stuff needs to be made fast and it's just not available in large scale whereas people can just make it a hope yeah and i think there's a lot of there's a couple of there's a few of us in birmingham doing it doing quite a lot and someone was going around collecting during the lock, first lockdown collecting them for everyone's houses um and then getting them delivered i think the i, think, I know a lot went to the sort of qe and a lot went to the women's hospital and various care homes and things like that because i think just suddenly having to wear a mask every day but you know was was you know and i think there was just a supply shortage on lots of things i think the same is true in the maker community a lot of people took up sewing to make face masks Mm -hmm. um, and certainly there was members of FizzPop who made hundreds of face masks for people, um, which I think I think is really positive. I know yeah. I know it's you know it was a terrible time, but it was quite nice to see that in amongst all the bad news.
Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's sort of that's sort of where we were. Yeah, I think having that community support really probably has a lot more impact than people think, especially where you can do like stuff like, as you said, sewing face masks and distributing those and things like that where you wouldn't expect it to come from that kind of source. It's great to see the maker community getting involved with that. But more about yourself, how, how have you been coping with lockdown? I mean, I know it's put a lot of kibosh on your plans and things you're yeah, planning I think, to work on. Well, I got I got slightly more into computer games. I, my wife bought me a Switch um, Christmas 2019. So <laughs> I, I played quite a lot of, I play, I, I played quite a lot on Switch and got into computer games a little bit more. Um, so I quite enjoyed, I played, what did I buy? It was like lockdown stuff. I decided to buy Luigi's Mansion. And yeah. it was just quite a nice, simple game to play after work. Sometimes while doing other things, and I've got yeah. quite, I've got quite into that. And I've sort of rediscovered gaming slightly that I kind of hadn't had time to do uh, for a few mm-hmm. years. So I've quite enjoyed. You know, I'm. I don't think I'm ever going to be a, a massive, you know, gamer who could play play all weekends. But I've quite enjoyed the Switch. The Switch, I'm. I've become quite a big fan of. I've just started playing um, 3D All Stars, which I think. Which is the sort of three Mario games, but I'm quite enjoying that because they're not, they don't require too much head sort of thinking about. I'm quite enjoying yeah. that, and also I think I think the other thing, obviously, we have had quite some quite good TV programs during. Yeah. We discovered some, <laughs> we discovered some new ones during lockdown. I think one of the first ones we found was Kim's Convenience. I think oh, we really enjoyed that. Absolutely love that. It's one of my mine and my wife's favorite shows. Because uh, I went on honeymoon to Toronto, so we were spotting landmarks, and I, we think we walked past the shop. Yeah, like we're fairly sure we did, <laughs> but we got quite obsessed with Kim's Convenience, uh, which is a show that I we've never thought about before. But it just came up on Netflix. We're like, oh, we might as well watch the first episode, and then we'd watch them all, and we're waiting for the new ones now. But yeah. um, and Disney Plus starting that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite you know so in the evenings when I, after you know I'm, I'm working more hours at the moment but you know there's after work it's quite nice to have something to watch and a lot of shows have come back i also and i think this is and i will confess this now just publicly i also got quite hooked on the new ducktales on disney plus i decided i was going to watch that at one point um because yeah. it's sort of because like a lot of the voices you recognize particularly there's quite a few you know, David Tennant. Say David Tennant, yeah, it's quite a big name. You know, it? Catherine Tate's in there. <laughs> it's quite it's quite fun watching it for that point of view. So, yeah, so I've been loads of sort of stuff. I miss the cinema, but I've sort of, I think we've watched quite a lot of series we might not have found the time to watch, it other, you know, otherwise. Um, so, yeah, keeping sane, it's, um, I think, I also built a shed, which I'm going to turn into a little mini makerspace <laughs> at some point, probably because I'm missing yeah. a makerspace. Um that, that arrived unfortunately just as the weather was changing so i haven't done much more with it mm-hmm. um so I've, I've been busy um got lots of projects uh lots of things that i think i think you know like, i'm quite confident that I, th- I think i've stayed relatively sane but there's a uh, um i think it's yeah i think that's, so that's sort of that's what i was up to i think during lockdown Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to say about sheds. I think there's been like a massive thousand percent like increase on people buying sheds just purely as to have that room for being a home office or somewhere to work or somewhere that you can just like get out the house to like have that separation between but, home and work. Yeah, I think, but also I think for me, because like I mean, I'm in the spare room now of my house, which has got bunk beds behind me. Um, it's also to try and get some work separation. So a lot of my maker stuff is now in the shed, 
but it's also because I'm not in the same place that I'm doing my day job. I think that that was part of the logic behind this. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs a shed. It's it's kind of like one of those things. Everybody needs somewhere to go and tinker and like do their own little things. Yeah. I mean, I'm planning to move our recording studio out of what is currently our front room into a shed in the studio at some point. Yeah, that, that's a that's that that'll be a good project. I think for this year. I think yeah, uh, definitely. That's, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned the Switch. I mean, I think it's still one of the best consoles for just pick up and play because you don't yeah. have to wait twenty five minutes for an update for a start off. It's mostly I, just game hard. I'm, you know, obviously I work in te- I work in IT. I I quite like it, but also actually having the option to play on the TV when you want to. But actually, if, if my wife's watching something on TV that I'm not particularly interested in, we can still be in the room together and still carry on. Um, I also I think some of a lot of the games I've played, which is quite nice, you don't really need to even have the sound on. So if someone else is doing something else in the room, you can get away with not. Um, you know, and I think I've really enjoyed the Switch. I'm quite I've I've sort of I owned a GameCube, which is one of my last Nintendo console I owned. Yeah. Um, and I've you know I played relatively like everyone did on the Wii. We've had you know, um, but. I'm quite enjoying the Switch. I think it's quite it's a good mix of both. It reminds me very much of I when I was in of the original Game Boy, um, which I which I had an original Game Boy and I've spent many many hours uh, <laughs> playing on that. It's, so I think it kind of yeah. it, it's it's so good. And the online play, I've quite enjoyed Mario Kart Online. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite fun. Yeah, we like have a weekly tournament with some of our friends, and it can get vicious, especially when there's alcohol involved later on. I can say that I, I I'm unfortunately awful at it, um, so I just get beaten. But I'm quite I'm quite okay with that because it's still fun. Yeah, this is a great fun group thing, and you've not you've not fallen into the trap of having the weekly quiz then. The, the, no, the lockdown quiz. There is a good one we've done about three or four times with people from Fizzpop. That's an online stream quiz, and you can all type the answers. It's really well done. Um, I have to. I'll send you the. I'll send you a link to you. I have to post it. It's a good quiz. But we've only done it three times because it's. It's sort of. It's sort of. It, I think we got bored of being on Zoom and Teams all day every day at work. Yeah. Um, so I think it didn't quite work. We've also started a new. I think we've just started a new game in our group of friends, which is sending random Amazon stuff to them. I've just. I've just received some clay, so I think I'm supposed to be sculpting something. Um, <laughs> Which is this is how I'm getting through lockdown. So, so that that's a new game that I've decided to uh, start playing with, with some of our friends. No, that sounds really cool. That sounds a great way to keep yourself occupied. Is just how to how to keep your fingers busy, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and have you got any plans for post lockdown, and what are you planning to do with 3D Meetup and Fizzpop? Um, and... So I think 3D Meetup. Uh, well, Fizzpop will be has. It's only been closed during the official lockdown. It was just limited on numbers and the social side. Um, so, at some point, I've got we've got some projects I'm working on with some of the members that are relatively sort of interesting. Uh, but three D meetup, I think we need to be safe for a few months before we properly start planning, because mm-hmm. once I've paid the deposit on a venue, because it's yeah. completely community funded, so it's a bit of a risk on my part. Um, we, you know, we need to uh, we need to be sure it's going to go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the community needs to get their confidence back because people came from all over the country before. So it's not just Birmingham that needs to be safe; it's sort of yeah. 
England's got, I think someone came from Scotland the last one. We nearly yeah. had a few visitors from China. It just didn't quite work out with flights and things mm-hmm. uh, for the last one. So it will be, it will be back. We'll just, we're just sort of holding out uh, because I think it's really easy at the moment you schedule an event. Like I've got tickets for Penn and Teller that I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to, but I don't actually know if that event's going to happen. So it's quite, yeah. I think it's quite it's quite difficult so i think we're going to be waiting for it to be clear for a few months and sort of be, so we can run it safely mm-hmm. um but we've got some big plans things we've got um at the last one we had someone who built their own um they built their own art printed r2d2 full size so a couple of people who, of, who were at the first one have started making them i have part of one printed so i think we might have a bit of an r2d2 collection there <laughs> Um, that sounds cool. Plus, a lot of people have designed some really cool things during lockdown. Um, so I think it. I think the next one will be a lot of fun. It's just a case of when we've got to get there first. Um, so I'm not putting too much energy into it. Um, we've got. I will say, you know, we've got sponsorship lined up. Who will will cover quite a lot of the costs for when it's ready to happen. Because we're a community event, we're a lot cheaper than say an event at say the NEC, yeah. um, which is commercial. Where where they'll you know for you know for the you know so i think we've got sponsorships that are happy to come on board um so i think it's just a case of waiting out. hate i think so i'm hoping i'm hoping that'll be back that's post lockdown i'm looking forward to going on holiday and leaving my house yeah um I, i've got in november so if it's all over by november i'll be going to new i've booked to go to new york oh great as in i brought the air so we've done that um so hopefully i think so I've got many plans after lockdown, but I think leaving the house is the one I'm most looking forward to a bit more. Definitely. And for people who've probably got interested in 3D printing or as a hobby over lockdown or want to know more about it, is there any kind of resources you'd suggest or um, people to get in touch with? You know, I think there's, there's a whole community of us on Twitter. Follow me and I'll point you in some directions. You'll see that I'm tagged with loads of people regularly. Um, but feel free to reach out and ask questions to me. But there's loads, just put 3D printing in. Um, I think Prusa Printers have got a really good, they're a printer manufacturer. They've got a really good blog with loads of, they each, each month they focus on what a member's doing with their printers. But there's quite a lot. I think Twitter, some of the Facebook groups are really, some of the Facebook groups can get a bit negative because a lot of people have very strong opinions. Twitter seems a bit friendlier on this sort of. That's good, but have you tried? Whereas I think Facebook groups sometimes can be a bit, can be a bit, you know, my I'm right, you know, people have very strong opinions yeah, and they, think they can be a bit off-putting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but Twitter's a good place, um, and Prusa Printers who. They make one probably one of the most popular open source 3D printers. I've got a really good blog and community site, so it's worth having a look if you're interested. And hopefully, if it's hopefully in the future, we'll do some. There'll be some more events, and um, you know that you can you can go to and have a look at them in, in reality. I think there's going to be quite a lot of interesting tech stuff going on in Birmingham as soon as lockdown's mm-hmm. over, because there's a lot of events put on hold. Um, and there's quite a lot of there's actually quite a lot of investment in sort of tech events and that community in Birmingham. So yeah. I think it I think the I think you'll be a lot you'll see a lot in Birmingham going on in that sort of area. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed, uh, it'll be all back together soon. And where can we find your details online? Your Twitter, so social media. Twitter is is at Adam twenty seventy, um, and it's I'm usually on there. I, I'm not I don't I'm not posting a lot at the moment because I feel that. 
everyone's probably bought a post of everyone stuck in the houses or pictures of their cats, which is what you get a bit worried. But if you've got a question, just that, and I'll happily answer any questions about anything. And it's worth having a look on Twitter if you follow Fizzpop, the Maker Space. We're hosting something called, I believe, I think it's next week, we're hosting something called Maker's Hour, where lots of makers around the internet um, post questions. And people are, you know, and every, there's a set of questions and everyone get involved and answer them. But it's quite a good way of finding interesting people to follow um, and things like that. So that's, I think that's next week, next Wednesday evening. So that will be going on. So it's worth following uh, following Fizzbop on Twitter at that sort of point as well. Brilliant. And where can we find information about 3D Meetup? Um, so, again, it's 3dmeetup.uk. Um, it's a bit... Obviously, because we haven't done an event, it's a bit sort of a shell of a site at the moment. But mm-hmm. if you actually know anyone who might be interested in getting involved, um, just get them to drop drop us an email, and we'll 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 we're sort of keeping all this ready on file for when we can run an event. Yeah, and I'm sure when events are back on, you'll probably update the website as soon as. Yeah, it's, it's one possible. of those. I think we're actually going to be moving quite interestingly to as an experiment to Raspberry Pi based web host um, hence why i've got quite a lot of raspberry pies on my desk at the moment so that's <laughs> one of these might be sitting in the data center because it's quite an interesting maker experiments i think raspberry pi have done quite well this year with all their product launches yeah but their new model four seems to be very very popular the four is really good but i was quite impressed I've got one. Um, yeah I, I was really yeah. i was why i was really impressed with the 400 because that's a cheap computer most people can afford um and so i think that's quite a nice product i think it was it would have been nice if it, if, if, if it ended up coming out a bit sooner. I think they would have probably sold a lot more as people yeah. were desperate for computers at the start of lockdown. Yeah. Uh, but they're really nice little, um, they're good computers. I think it's quite an interesting thing that sort of, I think Raspberry Pi Foundation has come out qu- quite well this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with NVIDIA and ARM going forward as well. I think that, yeah, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Adam, it's been fascinating to have you back on the show and definitely not going to leave it as long next time until we get you back on. But uh, cool. thank, thank you for joining us back for our fifth anniversary special. Okay, cool. Thanks and, very much. And hopefully we'll speak soon. Speak soon. Heavenly shades of night are calling. It's twilight time. Wonder and vision. Aren't we a fine pair? This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is going to be a gas. Where did you two move from? How long? Yeah, watched that last night. Top quality um, drama from Marvel Studios. Uh, Good to see a lot of um, nods towards um, some of the comic characters um, Mm -hmm. that they've kind of been teasing us for a few weeks, um, but they kind of made very strong overtures to revealing stuff uh, in last night's episode. Uh, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but as, as a fan of the comics, it's great to see these characters kind of uh, made real and with some nods to the uh, kind of original ways they looked in the in the comics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah, it's been a fantastic... Well, it's been fantastic to actually have some Marvel on screen, even though it's a small screen version. Uh it's something we've missed a lot during 2020. Uh, I think we got so used to having at least one or two Marvel movies come out over the year. It's It's been like a real big strange change not to have that come through. So I think this has like kind of filled the gap a lot and a lot of people are very happy that we've got some Marvel back. I think as well, um, so someone like myself who's not 
that food up on Marvel. And even though I've seen most of the mainstream films, um, it's mostly like once, maybe twice. So actually, I think WandaVision does a really good uh, sort of way of it's enough of a story to stand on its own. And they do a good job of bringing people who aren't very savvy with the universe up to speed, as well as having enough content left for people who are like really big fans to really love it, really enjoy it, be able to pick apart every scene. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I think it's what they did with um, The Mandalorian in a sense of making it accessible to a wider audience who may not have had any previous uh, interest in Marvel or uh, Star Wars universes. But they've made a show that, that speaks to a lot of people. I think it, it contains a lot of um, universal themes and riffing off the idea of sitcoms is an easy in for a lot of the audience because everybody at some point will have seen a sitcom of some description, whether it was Friends, whether it's Modern Family, uh, you know, older audiences with things like, um, you know, The Honeymooners and uh, I Dream of Genie and Bewitched and all that kind of stuff. So I think they've used a, a nice uh, conceit to go, we can make our audiences comfortable with the show by using the kind of um, facade of a sitcom, but then we can kind of th- slowly feed them the kind of backstory of the Marvel Universe uh, and the more important uh, things that have been going on. With the, the blip and all the rest of it that kind of has got referenced in the show um so i think they've, they've done a lot of good work with it making it accessible to a, a, a big audience yeah definitely. and on that i loved the malcolm middle reference <laughs> I, I actually sort of whooped when they did the malcolm middle parody because it's like one of my favorite sort of american sitcoms and i just yeah <laughs> it was just it was lovely they actually did that sort of like nod to it yeah i think everybody was expecting the friends intro for the 90s and to have like the Magnum Middle, and it's kind of weird because that was like that '90s 2000s crossover episode, whereas the others were pretty much distinctly in a decade each time. Whereas this time around, it was very much so. It was like that kind of blended late '90s, early millennium kind of era. I mean, yeah. And we've had some big reveals so far. We'll try not to spoil as much as possible, but I think the internet already knows a lot that um, Quicksilver in any kind of form makes an appearance. And um, Coach from Geeks has said in the live chat, uh, there's a bit of Marvel fatigue with Marvel movies. I think that's been right. I think it's nice to have had a year off and then to have this series to bring us back in rather than having the big action explosions constantly. And Lee's not a major fan of Marvel stuff. (laughs) So Lee, I think you're on mute at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) So you can not, you won't upset, upset anybody with saying, yeah. Anything. <laughs> Controversial. Lee, you're on mute. You're on mute in Skype. <laughs> he's just frozen. He's off. He's off doing his Mario making. Yeah. There we go. There we go. He's back now. <laughs> okay. So I think turning off my mic turned it off in Skype, <laughs> and then turning it back on didn't turn it back on in Skype. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm very I'm I'm definitely in the camp of there were too many Marvel movies. Yeah. Because for me, one one Marvel movie is too many Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lee's not a fan of superheroes, for those who've listened no. to previous podcast episodes. And also, mm-hmm. before we go any further, I apologise for my very loud keyboard. It's a mechanical one, and I'm trying to minimise <laughs> it as much as possible. <laughs> but, throw a blanket over your head. Yeah. Uh, ter- oh, the, 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 there was a point that I made earlier as well about the Malcolm in the Middle reference, about how Malcolm in the Middle was never on in the 90s. Yeah. So... Yeah. I found that odd that they used that as 90s when it started in January 2000. I Because I saw people talking about it. I was like, I don't remember that being on in the 90s. Yeah, And it literally was like 
the earliest point it couldn't have been in the 90s was when it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was much I must say, I did. What I did like was um, Paul Bettany ch channeling his inner Brian Cranston. Mm -hmm. I think he got that that the mannerisms of, of Brian Cranston down quite well. Yeah, I mean, so the latest episode that came out last night for most of us um, was very much Modern Family inspired. So if you ever watched that kind of modern fourth wall breaking talk to talk to camera kind of sitcom, it really was channeling that vibe, and I think it worked really well. And again, Paul Bettany has been a revelation to me in this. Is such a great comedy actor and i don't think anybody's ever realized before that he's really good at comedy he's kind of like he's always been his light's been hidden under a bushel i think in the previous marvel movies where he's been this very straight-laced android whereas here he's just acting out of the park yeah and um just to sort of echo back to what some of the chat are saying like yeah there is I kind of felt as well there was a lot of Marvel fatigue. Actually, what I like about sort of WandaVision is it's it's leaning more into the kind of superhero elements now, but for the majority of the series, it's a lot of um, kind of slice of life with elements of it. So um, again, what we talked about previously, you actually get more nuance for the sort of characters who actually in the movie are kind of sidelined. They've got little bits and actually here they're, they're full-blown you're not just seeing them to progress the plot you're seeing bits of them just sort of hanging around really living their life <laughs> so it's it's yeah. quite a nice direction i think for a marvel sort of property yeah and this is something we mentioned previously on the show it's it's marvel films are so big they're so bombastic they're so special effects heavy character development kind of gets lost for most of the minor characters um you'll you'll get lots tons of character development for the main Avengers. So like Iron Man, Thor, they've had much progression over the series, but all the minor characters haven't really had that much chance to shine. It's like they're very much in the background of an ensemble cast here. So allowing Vision at Wanda to have this show is really like actually given some development to these two characters. Yeah, and I've got to applaud the fact they've gone with the weekly schedule and stuck to that um, because that gives the audience time to digest what's going on. And the speculation that we've had over the weeks, you just wouldn't have got that if it had have all landed in one go. It would have just been um, spoiled straight away for everybody. So it yeah. wouldn't have let you kind of think, well, who is the villain? Who is that character? What's going to happen with that? And I, I do miss that sometimes with shows that you have that kind of chance to talk. What do you think? What's going to happen? Who's doing this? What's doing that? And that speculation to become part and parcel of the the whole experience, which I really I've really enjoyed over the past few weeks. Yeah, we've had some great joys as well with bringing some of the more minor characters from other aspects of the Marvel franchise in. So we've had Darcy return from the Thor franchise. We've had Jimmy Wukin from Ant Man and Wasp, and we've had Monica Rambeau in in a slightly more adult form com compared to what she was in Captain Marvel. But I think the dynamic of those three has really worked quite well as like kind of a subplot to the main WandaVision TV show. And it's like have some really good development with those. And I think Monica is definitely going to be appearing more in the Avengers franchise going forward. I wouldn't mind the, the, the speculated kind of X-Files style show that they could be in. <laughs> um I'd, I'd kind of dig that kind yeah. of like you know other crazy mysteries around the marvel universe because there's a lot of stuff that goes on around the marvel universe that would fit quite nicely into an x-files style thing because yeah. you know we've we've got established the idea that there's monsters that you know there's draculas that there's vampires there's werewolves and all this kind of stuff there's witches um, and, and it would be really good <laughs> allegedly <laughs> lots allegedly. of witches yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of this, this show is, and the comics is that there's so many things and so many different stories they can see, tell. See, that's like, you know, you're talking about an X-Files style show. I probably would watch that, but my worry would be they'd be constantly trying to tie it in with everything else in the MCU. And that's why I can never get into anything MCU related, because <laughs> it's just like, you could, if there's like one aspect, well, like you said, there's like various different things that they can do with the Marvel Universe. And obviously with this show that we're seeing that, you know, they're playing around with like the sitcom tropes and stuff. <laughs> but it's that problem for me is that a lot of it doesn't interest me. But if there is something that does, if I want to watch that, I've got to then learn about a million other things that happened yeah. in films that I don't care about. And I think that's a real problem yeah. with the MCU. And I wish they'd just quit that. It's definitely yeah. something you have to go both feet forward into, unfortunately, with Marvel, because it's such a big yeah. connected universe now. It, it's like watching The Lone Gunman without watching The X-Files first, for an example. It's kind of, there's that much backstory in The X-Files for The Lone Gunman. You wouldn't be able to separate those two shows out separately from each other. I think the, the, the difference with that is that that is explicitly a spin-off of it, whereas, like, as I understand with the comics, is that they weren't necessarily all created to be connected you know yeah i think that's kind of my real problem with it it's like everything got connected up and now is just connected up and now you gotta you gotta deal with it yeah yeah i think it's something that's that's emerged kind of since the the 90s more uh, mm -hmm. more more noticeably in the comics is before they all lived in the same world. That was the conceit and the part mm -hmm. of the, the, the whole thing is that Spider-Man lived in New York. The Avengers were in New York or they used Fantastic the backdrop whatever it is. But they kind of did their own thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can't I can't remember very much that when Galactus attacks the Earth in Fantastic Four, that it directly impacted on Spider-Man in his own book. And so they were kind of doing their own thing at the time. And I think it's something that's become more and more mm -hmm. part and parcel of the comics a little bit while they tried to do the big event stuff to make everything seem more grand. Um, but I would like to see more storytelling like that, Lee. Mm -hmm. That is just, there's these mm -hmm. characters in this established world and mm -hmm. we're doing our thing. And it doesn't, everything we do doesn't impact on everybody yeah. else. Every, yeah, everything doesn't have to be a domino effect. Yeah, because I think like, I don't have a problem with like the connected world and them all being in the same world and having like little nods here and there, but it is the fact that it's plot points. You yeah. need to understand plot points of other things. And it's like, yeah, I'm not getting into that. Because <laughs> I like, of like the Marvel movies, like Guardians of the Galaxy interested me. And my favorite part of Guardians of the Galaxy was the first half where it's just the Guardians of the Galaxy. But then as it gets later on in the film, you've got to start understanding everything else that was going on in the wider MCU. And, I was just, and it's why I feel the second one was better, because it was a standalone story. So, Yeah, it's it's kind of that thing, isn't it? It's it's how much do you want to devote to one particular franchise? Mm. I, mean, I think anybody who watched Game of Thrones probably feels a bit burnt by that, especially mm -hmm. towards the last few series. And I think Marvel, for me, has been consistently good if... Some some movies have been fantastic, but for me, even a bad Marvel movie like Thor: The Dark World, it's still passable to watch again if you're a fan of superheroes. It, yeah, it's, and that's it's, that's my problem, isn't yeah. it? So. <laughs> yeah, it's very much if you like superheroes. You, you so I can't I can't watch the fun space rogues without having to understand what's going on with the superheroes <laughs> I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. But, but but I think if you look at the flip side of that, DCU's had an awful time with their films. And Wonder Woman was a standout, and then Wonder Woman 84's come out to a middling reception. They tried to do their own internal universe with Batman, Superman, the Justice League, and 
it just feels like a pastiche of how Marvel have done well with the MCU. So it's kind of that flip side. It's like, do you want an expertly crafted story that's going to be across what is pretty much generations of films now? Or do you want standalone, watch it once, and then don't have to reference it again? It's, it's both aspects. I prefer the good standalones, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Yeah. I think there's room within the universe to to do that quite easily it, you know you don't everything mm -hmm. like i said everything doesn't have to connect to everything else mm -hmm. it's i'm quite happy for them to do standalone stuff and strangely concurrently with one division i was watching the final season of agents of shield which i i liked from the very beginning mostly because i liked the characters and the casting and that's something that marvel does expertly throughout their their output is they cast brilliantly um and i really enjoyed agents and shields and there's nods to the wider universe but that it's kind of off in its own little bit doing its own little thing and there's some references here and there but i think once they kind of decided i think the end of season one season two to kind of go well we, we can't connect to the bigger marvel universe we haven't got the budget it was an abc show so it wasn't a kind of a studio show and that that did its own thing and did it well and i really enjoyed that that show and i think marvel's got the ability to do that they could do a werewolf by night show make a horror show they could do you know a crazy dakota north detective show that's just a procedural kind of detective show they've got the characters they've got the world that they can do literally anything in yeah i mean i'll be interesting to hear the views of people on twitter facebook instagram on the live stream chat and what you think would be best for marvel going forward do you think you'd prefer some of these standalone stories or do you think it's definitely something that you prefer that interconnected interweaved universe? Uh, right, we're going to go into another quick interview now. This is Graham Woods, who uh, runs Jaws 19 Show on Twitter and Jaws 19 Show on YouTube. Uh, you may have seen him and us in some of his videos. So he made a horror movie job a couple of years ago that uh, Keith filmed and I starred in. And we did our little Mission Impossible short a few years ago. And he did a really cool little short movie called The Switch. But I really recommend you go and check out his channel. Welcome back to the show, Graham. It's been a long time since we've had you on air. When, when was the last time? 1987, wasn't it? It must be a, probably about 12 months, probably since the last anniversary special. It, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, happy birthday, anyway. Thank you very much. My geeky yes. brothers. Five years. We're surprised as well. We didn't think it was ever going to get that long. <laughs> for what was this originally a six-week... Yeah, for what was originally a six-week radio trial, it's kind of kind of lived on a little bit longer than we expected. It's grown but... and it's morphed and it's got a life of its own now and it won't die. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd invite back some of our classic guests who we've had over the years and who've joined us in our many adventures, mainly running around buildings with Graham, <laughs> usually with a camera at least pointed at one of us or somebody shouting cut, generally. So we just thought I'm we'd not sure how I feel about being described as classic, Ryan. <laughs> classy. <laughs> classy guests. All right, classy guests. Classy. Yeah. Okay. But we thought we'd see how you've been, what you've been up to, how's lockdown been for you, and how you've been keeping yourself entertained in a geeky manner since we've last spoken to you. Ah. Well, I've worked from home anyway and have done for the last five years. So in terms of feeling personally restricted, mm -hmm. this lockdown hasn't really hit me that way. Yeah. Um, 
I know for a lot of people it's been very difficult because they haven't been able to see their friends and work colleagues and go to the office and commute and do all that stuff that a lot of people do enjoy. I haven't had to do any of that for the last five years, so it hasn't yeah. represented much of uh, a culture shock to me. Yeah. Um, I suppose what I've missed, I've definitely missed the conventions. As you well know, I'm a, I'm a Comic-Con fan. We've both filmed there pretty much yeah. every year for the last few years. Um, so I'm a big convention fan. I've definitely missed that side of things. Yeah, it's been um, really strange not to have that kind of regular booking in in our diaries between March and yeah. November. There's usually March at least that just punctuates the year, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's kind of missed oh, missing all of that last year. It was a really big, yeah, well, not a drain, but a really big part of what Geek Room was missing. And the same for yourself. Yeah. And say your video is always very popular. It's always a couple that was of a challenges. Lot of our content that was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now what we got to talk about. But I always like your challenge videos where you like set two teams off to do things around a Comic Con or uh, any kind of convention. Like That's the, it, yeah. Uh, Com- Comic Con bingo. Like the digitized the, sh- the show one that you did a few years back as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that was another one. Because, yeah, that, they were supposed to do another live show uh, summer last year, which got cancelled as well. So, yeah, not just conventions, other live events. Because, I, I, you know, I like to go to live music and live comedy. Um, Cinema, obviously, all of that stuff has, um, yeah, it's gone. I mean, the last thing I saw at the cinema was I managed to see Tenet when that came out, which was end of September, wasn't it? Yeah, the great confusion, as everybody seems to have named it. Yeah, basically, I just sat there for two hours like that going, huh? What? <laughs> Sorry, we've got a cat on camera. Let me move it's all right. <laughs> it's but I enjoyed sad? it. I always, yeah. I always enjoy Chris Nolan films. Yes, they're confusing, but... I think that's okay. It's okay to be confused and it's okay for a, a film to leave you just, um, yeah, just wondering what the hell's going on and having to sort of piece together a story by yourself and not to be led by the hand through every little piece of the narrative. You've got to put stuff together yourself. And I enjoy that yeah. with Nolan. He does that for you. Yeah, and so, you're a big cinema aficionado and he's probably one of the last directors who thinks about cinema in their film and not the inevitable Blu-ray or Netflix or Amazon Prime release that everybody else yeah. seems to be jumping on now. Yeah, I think there's like sort of him, maybe Denny Villeneuve as well. They've still definitely got their eye on the on the big screen, on the spectacle. Because mm-hmm. um, we've, got, we've got June coming out, haven't we? Well, soon. should have been out by now, but yes, hopefully again soon. Yeah, which um, is a weird one for me because I'm a huge Villeneuve fan. Mm-hmm. I love all of his stuff. I love Blade Runner 2049. I love Arrival, even back to like Sicario, stuff like that. I love his films, but I've got no love for Dune at all. I found the books impenetrable. Um, I won't go near the David Lynch film because <laughs> too many people have warned me off it. <laughs> even Lynch himself warns people off that film. I'm actually a big fan of Dune because, well, the, the best version I've ever heard of it is the Audible narration one. It's a full voice cast. Oh, so nice. I, that okay. might be a good way for you to try and listen to it. I don't know if it would really mm. work. Because it really works yeah, as might... like as a kind of word voice play. But mm. the Lynch film's not too bad considering the constraints of the time that he made it in, if I explain yeah. it. was it was an ambitious thing to try and adapt back in the uh was yeah. it about eighty four? Yeah, I think it's about eighty three, eighty four. Yeah. So yeah, pretty ambitious and Studios weren't throwing huge amounts of money at people like Lynch, were they? He, he no. wasn't Lucas or Spielberg, so he couldn't command a massive budget. 
Well, he kind of inherited it after the whole Jordadowski chaos where HR Geiger had been involved and all the sets had been designed. But then it was kind of like, well, we're not making that one. So we'll just make yeah. it and give it to David Lynch, this author director who's known more for his kind of like stuff like Erase Ahead at that point in time. Yeah. Although wasn't Lynch asked if he wanted to direct Return of the Jedi? Yes, he was, I think. He was, wasn't he? He was like, no, nah, I don't fancy doing that. Yeah. I'd, I'd have... I'd have I'd have paid good folding money to see a Luke's Return of the Jedi, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's kind of like his name. Exactly all... brutal the Ewoks were, man. <laughs> he's been pretty much with every single franchise. He's been with Alien as well, wasn't he? So... Was he linked to Alien? Yeah, I think he was supposed to do the original Alien 3 with the wooden planet. Oh, is that the one? It's not the one Fincher did, was it? Yeah, sorry. My... Fincher, I can't remember now. I think Fincher might have done 3. But I think Lynch was attached at some point. Lynch, yeah, Finch. So because Fincher ended up directing it, didn't he? And yeah. um, what's he called? The French guy who did Delicatessen. He did one of them as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. Yeah, the Alien franchise has not really. Alien and Aliens are pretty much the only two I watch. Unimpeachable, and then they just kind of yeah. just dri- dribble off and blur into this yeah. kind of. Uh, and then you get Alien versus Predator, and then you get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you get Ridley Scott just not learning to leave well alone with things. Ridley, stop it! <laughs> Although, you know what? There's, there's stuff in Prometheus I enjoy. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff in Alien... What's it called? The, the other one he made? Uh, Covenant. Alien. Covenant. There's stuff in yeah. that I enjoy. There's, there's elements in both of them that I really like. I like the design of the Xenomorphs yeah. in Covenant. I like how brutal and nasty and uh, physical I felt. But yeah, parts of it were just self-indulgent nonsense. Yeah, I mean the bit where the main person in Prometheus is running away from the round spaceship. <laughs> no, yeah, Charlie's there on. It's like turn left, Charlie's. No. Yeah. yeah. Just, just let just ten feet to the side. He'll go straight past yeah. you. Yeah. There's suspension of disbelief in movies, and there's why isn't she just doing what any normal person would do and just move? to the site. Yeah, she's clearly a very intelligent and qualified inter- interstellar <laughs> space pilot who doesn't understand left and right. <laughs> no, but, I'm going to run in a straight line, that'll work. Yeah. Anyway, to segue to the topics of conversation, what have you been Sorry, watching? <laughs> what have you been watching over lockdown? Well, probably like a lot of people during lockdown, I've kind of... Um, Spotted in a few different new things, but mainly fallen back on a bit of a bit of comfort blanket TV, mm-hmm. and uh, rewatched a lot of old kind of friendly, familiar favourites. Yeah. So I've, um, I've 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 rewatched Community from beginning to end, uh, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. uh, Shit's Creek, The Good Place. So I've I've really kind of leaned right into good, wholesome, unchallenging, yeah. safe comedy. Basically, anything Michael Schur has ever <laughs> produced. Michael Schur or Dan Gore, between the two of them, have pretty much yeah. done all of US comedy for the last decade. Exactly. <laughs> and The Office as well. I went, I went back through yeah. The Office. Um, but it, it holds up for rewatching. Yeah. It, it, it's not going to... You know what's coming, so you know you're not going to have to deal with any unexpected emotional wrenches or anything <laughs> like that. Except it's for little Sebastian. Sad. Mate, too soon. <laughs> Soon, yeah. Oh uh, boy, yeah. So, yeah. So I've, I've done a lot of that. I've gone back through a lot of old friendly comedies and done that. 
but I have <laughs> also tried to to splash in a few new things. So I watched The Boys on Prime, right. which I really enjoyed. And that's not mm-hmm. safe and unchallenging at all. No. That's some, that's some it, nasty television. It, it's very much adult television is the way to phrase it, I think. It's grown-up stuff, isn't it? Yes. It's there superheroes is. with the filters removed. <laughs> the, stuff I'm not, the stuff I think about now is scenes where I'm like, I don't need that. Yeah. They, showed, they must have showed the script to the actors, and the actors were just like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you've got a contract. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not... There's the dolphin. Get on with it. Yeah. I don't think I'll be spoiling a sentence that if you get in the first five minutes, a super speed person runs through somebody else. Yeah, and turns them basically into red mist. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of sets shown, the tone. isn't it? Yeah. And that then just sets the tone for the entire series. That's the thing. It's... um. It is it's shock therapy, isn't it? It's like, right, yeah. this is what you can expect. Yeah. And it only gets madder. I mean, we get to the point of like laser babies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I really still enjoy one of my that. favorite things. Yeah, I really enjoy that Carl Urban seems to be loving it because he's been dealt so many rough hands with TV and movies, with like the he Dread has. Universe and like not being able to follow that up. And Almost yeah. Human, which I was a really great fan of. And then Fox did their usual, showed it all out of order, and then handed it to the late lightning slot to let it wither and die the same way they did yep. with Firefly. Yeah, he's um, he's not had a he's not had a good shake, has he? So it was nice to see him leading that and having fun with it. Yeah, and and even his accent, which was um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's comedy yeah. in comedy accent greatness, just straight over. <laughs> I watched Thor Ragnarok last night, and he's like, he's doing yeah. the same thing in that. He's still a, he's a cockney called Scourge. I was like, excuse your real accent, really? You're as Guardian. You can have whatever accent you want. Why the made you a cockney? Yeah, if you think about it, Chris Hemsworth is the Aussie as well, so they could have like just had the both as Aussie accents. That's what I thought. There's one scene, right? You've got Tessa Thompson, who's American, playing yeah. an English person. You've got Carl Urban and Chris Hemsworth, who are both Aussies. Plain English people. Yeah. What are you doing? Just the only English person space, you've got is have... the only English person you've got is Kate Blanchett, who yeah. hasn't got who hasn't got an English accent in that either. Mickey Mouse, mate, really. Yeah. <laughs> the so yeah, the boys. Marvel. Questionable mm-hmm. accents aside, I think the boys was really well done, really well written, creepy as all hell in places. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, I'm not going to say disturbing. But genuinely, kind of, oh god, they did that yeah. in places, and it's—I don't know—it's kind of been explored before in stuff like Watchmen, and also even to an extent, The Incredibles. The idea of superheroes and what it would be like to be in the normal world where superheroes yeah. exist and coexist with us and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's been explored. It's, it's not—it's not new ground that's been broken, but it's de- it was definitely done in a different way. No, I think it definitely treads into the waters of a more realistic view to map the current way the world is run. That That's whole the thing, isn't it? Corporatisation yeah. of it. Which yeah, the, Watchmen... the way they're marketed and franchised and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I think that goes beyond the Watchmen with that. The Watchmen is great for the parallels of the whole Cold War at the time, but the boys definitely does pick up on this modern interpretation of if you did have superpowers and somebody came at you with a briefcase full of money to work for them, yeah. what are you going to do? Exactly, you take it and you'd endorse products and you'd have movies made about you and yeah. you'd own your own line of like toys and clothes and yeah, it's exactly yeah. how it would go. 
So yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, what else? What else have I been watching? Oh yeah, to keep it cheerful and light, um, <laughs> I've been watching uh, Adam Curtis's latest series of documentaries. That I absolutely love Adam. Yeah, I absolutely love Adam Curtis. Hypernormalization and the Power of yeah. Nightmares are two of the finest documentaries ever, and it really, really annoys mm-hmm. me that BBC always hide them when they re-release them. It's kind of like they they're really, ashamed they of do, them. Don't they? Yeah. Well, I think it's because Adam Curtis is critical of the world and them and the media, and the BBC feel a bit kind of like, "Why are you picking on us, Adam?" <laughs> but it's so true the way that he portrays stuff, and it's a beautiful thing. It's always a mix of stock footage infused and right. Yeah. It's it's always a visual feast alongside what is a very powerful narrative. Well, yeah, because it's yeah. He, he, wasn't he just given sort of? Unfettered access to the to the BBC library of archive footage and news footage and everything they've ever got. Yeah, and he just he must just go through it and yeah, you find some crazy stuff because it's just him as well for most of it. There's, there's always a very small crew in an Adam Gertz documentary. Most of it is just him beavering away in the archives for a long time. Yeah, and he writes and edits and narrates it all. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think the budget for this last one, right? Bear in mind, there's six parts of it, right? And each episode comes in at around 70 minutes. So that's over... That's like six and a half, seven hours of content there, right? The budget for that was £30,000. He made seven hours of content for 30 grand, which which is... Yeah. You couldn't do that. I mean, like you say, from, when you watch it... <laughs> coming from two people who make content for free, we can't really say too much <laughs> I mean, I'd have a crack at seven hours of content for 30 grand if they want to give it to me. But if yeah. you think of what... I mean, I reckon... I don't know. I could be speaking completely out of my hand. Yeah. But I reckon the average episode of EastEnders, for instance, costs more than 30k. Oh. Just for one episode. Even with all the sets being built, the amount of people yeah. have got on... Yeah. The amount of people on just, there. Just um, just for crew just, and cast salaries and all that. Mm-hmm. Guarantee it. It's probably yeah, more expensive than an episode of Doctor's. Doctors is about a five or an episode, isn't it? <laughs> I've known it's filmed in Birmingham, so they'll probably get whatever money falls out of the piggy bank at the end of the BBC year. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, so Adam Curtis I've been watching. Um, and as always, you'll sit and you'll you'll watch all these and then, then you'll be confused and sad and upset and you go, I don't understand how the world works. This can't be true. And then yeah. you realise that now you believe that somehow... Colonel Gaddafi, Van Gogh, Margaret Thatcher and John Lennon were all involved in some conspiracy to assassinate Fidel Castro using Happy Monday's CDs. It's like, what? Adam, please stop, man. I'm it's, confused. <laughs> it's always used as a meme, but that picture of Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's got all the red lines and the fang hanging out. red string everywhere. <laughs> but it does that to you, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the way... It'll start off with like... Yeah, this is a fella called... You know, Michael, who was a uh, a gangster in the 1960s in London, who then became a civil rights activist who hung out with Malcolm X, who then got executed for murder in Trinidad. It's like, what? <laughs> and then you think and look at your own life and it's like, I make a podcast or I do a YouTube channel once or twice a week. And I think what I'm excited. I yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, Adam Curtis, I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of it in terms of watching stuff. I mean, I've watched the MCU movies in timeline order again, just because I think that's something you have to do annually for a giggle. Yeah. 
I mean, we're going to have WandaVision to slot into that as well. Good reminder. I have actually been watching WandaVision. Yeah. Well, been, well caught, Ryan. <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic to have yeah. a weekly series where you're left guessing. It feels like this hasn't generation's just, Twin Peaks somewhat. It's where, got that vibe to it, hasn't it? Twin Peaks, Twilight Zone, weird stuff, cliffhanger yeah. stuff. I mean, I know Twilight Zone's an anthology show, and they're not weird, yeah. but yeah, Twin Peaks is probably the a better analogy than my crappy Twilight one. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, one vision. I love it's not the Twilight s- movies. No, not the Twilight movies, no. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. Yeah, WandaVision's been amazing. I'm, I've been so impressed with that. I was I was hesitant because I was, I was like, well, what are Disney really going to do with this? Is it really going to be that groundbreaking or challenging or interesting? And it really has been. It's been dark and weird and, yeah, pretty bleak at times. And I think it's been written amazingly. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that... I think Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen in it have, have actually been yeah. stunning. Stunning. That, that, it's just been really, really good. It's like nothing nothing Marvel have done before. Yeah, I mentioned this on the previous podcast. People forget Paul Bettany's been there since the first ever MCU movie. He's been there since Iron Man 1. And he probably thought, yeah. I'm just going to do a bit of voice acting in one movie in a booth and, for yeah, three days. And that'll be it. <laughs> and that'll be yeah. it. And here we are nearly... What, a decade and a half later, almost? What, 2008, wasn't it? First yeah, time, 2008. Yeah. So probably recording, what, 2007? Yeah. So nearly 15 years off. Yeah, he's, exactly, yeah. He's still working off the back of doing a bit of VA. Yeah. And it's been so nice to watch because there's been so much in there that's... Uh, so many throws to the, to the, the comics mm-hmm. uh, in terms of... I don't want to always use the word Easter eggs, but there's been that stuff, yeah. hasn't there? There's definitely been an element of sitting there going, oh, it's that, oh, it's that, oh, it's that person, oh. Yeah. And they've tied so much stuff together and there's a couple of characters that they've kind of brought in um, from Ant-Man, from Thor, from, from different different films and they've kind of brought them together and I just think they've nailed it and it's been, and it yeah. has been like, oh God, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, and I think the great thing about it is if you do know that comic book lore, you're still going to be surprised with the way they twisted it around because I think originally people thinking, oh, this is going to be House of M or this is going to be the Vision series from the 90s. And yeah. it's completely playing around with it every single time of what you expect is going to happen. Goes yeah, you out think you've window. got a, hand, a handle on it and they go, no, we're not doing that. And, oh, damn it, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. The only thing I can think of that came close to this in terms of just pushing the boundaries was Legion. Definitely, definitely. I, I enjoyed Legion immensely. And I know it's a lot darker and and, and more adult than WandaVision. Because yeah. kids could watch WandaVision. It's not, not going to trouble them. I couldn't really watch Legion because that had some seriously no. nasty stuff in it. No, I remember the second episode where people start popping is probably... <laughs> yeah, that's when it's like, they're taking this in a wholly different direction. Yeah. It's part of the X-Men universe, officially. It is, yeah. 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 And that's... That's what One Division reminded me of. It's like, oh, they are actually taking some chances, like mm-hmm. they did with Legion. So, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very into One Division at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a bit of a difference. I mean, we started off the first lockdown with Tiger King, and we're here in the second, <laughs> third lockdown with One Division. It's kind of like it's both you know ends I, of I, the TV spectrum. <laughs> I didn't even go near that show, mate. <laughs> I did not go near it. I don't yeah. want to know. 
<laughs> but no, it's been it's it's been good. So yeah, that's what I've uh, that's what I've been keeping myself occupied with, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and post lockdown, we'll definitely get you back in for a proper studio recording at some point. It's been yeah. far too long. But um, where can we find you online? Otherwise, um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Jaws Nineteen Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Jaws19show. Um, previously, I have been purely doing sort of videos and stuff around cinema and TV and the geeky world, but I've, I'm also branching out into other stuff now, so I'm, I've tried some DIY. I've filmed myself making a table. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've also, I'm still doing the pop culture stuff. I mean, my latest video is um, about The Mandalorian. Um, mm-hmm. Which is another show I watched and we haven't talked about. No. I keep remembering stuff now. <laughs> Mandalorian was very good. But yeah, I've done a video around the Mandalorian and, and about Gina Carano and her being removed from the series and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still keeping a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a toe in the water in terms of pop culture stuff. Yeah, and that's the great thing about producing your own content is you can take it wherever you want to. So talk about what I like, can't I? I might yeah. do a baking video. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's pancake day on the day that we recorded this, so that fits in nicely. That is true. It does. <laughs> Great, it's been fantastic to catch up with you and we must speak to you again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Ryan, and congratulations again on five years, mate. Thanks very much. Um, thanks very much to Graham there for uh, jumping on uh, for an interview. If you want to check Graham out, go and check out Jaws 19 Show on Twitter, Jaws 19 Show on YouTube. He's got some really fantastic stuff over the last few years. Uh, very worth your time checking out. Um, but now it's time to talk Nintendo. And apart from the most expensive re-release of all time, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to lead through this. Lee, have got some highlights yeah. for us all? Okay, so um, it's a kind of a, an all-over-the-place direct. So it's the, you know it's an interesting one considering that it's been a while since they Nintendo have done one for a while. We were getting a lot of ports over. We were getting things like Tales from the Borderlands, Outer Wilds, Fall Guys, and surprisingly, is coming to Switch. Um, Stubbs the Zombie is coming back after forever, and that was a game that I'd never even heard of before, but it's now coming back. Um, but, um, and of course, you know, we're getting DC Superhero Girls Teen Power. I'm sure we're all excited for that one. <laughs> um, and, a, and a Star Wars Hunters game from uh, Zynga. <laughs> You know, Farmville's uh, yeah. people. Yeah, I was looking at that um, Star Wars Hunters game. So it's free to play. Mm-hmm. It looks very cartoony style graphics. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be typical mobile game, just ported to the Switch. Yeah, I, I hope it's just a ruse. The actual ad, but it looks like a shooter, but actually it's a moisture farming simulator. <laughs> And you're hunting for moisture, and it's just a ruse. And you know, all you got to do is be it did singer, possible. so it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> but buying dodgy droids from Jawas is like the highlight of the game. <laughs> but I'd say, like, sort of the big, the big highlights. I mean, we've got um, a new Mario Golf is coming. Uh, apparently, he's going to have a story mode with Mies because they seem to want to bring Mies back because they're also supporting Metopia over from the DS as well. Um, there was. Um, as you mentioned, the uh, Skyward Sword remaster is coming, uh, which uh, is very expensive with the controller. Yeah. That is 
especially design controller. I cannot find the price. I think off the top. I think I saw it was sixty nine ninety nine for the controller. I think and fifty nine ninety nine for the game. Mm -hmm. Considering like you that. got the game and the controller and the soundtrack on the Wii for I think it was fifty nine yeah. ninety nine at the time. That that's some expensive yeah. remastering going on there. Yeah, because the original game you had to have the the Motion Plus controller that they had on for the Wii remote, so they had better motion controls, but it was still terrible. Uh, I didn't like Skyward Sword. Um, uh, which is why, like, as soon as they said, oh, we've made it so you can use button controls now, I was like, oh, good, that's one one of the two major problems I had with Skyward Sword fixed. I don't think they're going to fix the other one, which is that it's incredibly repetitive. Because <laughs> um, like, the problem with that game is, like, there's a lot of fetch quests that are mandatory. And it's like, you know, you go to an area and it's like, find 30 of this glowy thing yeah. in the dark and then do that for an hour and then eventually you might get to a dungeon and then you do that in three different places and then you go back to the first place and get a different glowy thing <laughs> 30 of those and it's like it, it, did, were you sleeping on the job when you were designing this one? they probably looked at world at warcraft and kingdoms of amalore and went people seem to really like repetitive gameplay at the moment where it's just fetch quests so we'll just release that as a zelda game to be honest, it's probably got the worst storyline as well of all the Zelda games. I mean, at least Twilight Princess had a bit where you was a wolf for a little while. But it's kind of like it's it felt it felt very basic to me as a, as a Zelda game. And I, and I thought, and with Twilight Princess, Midna was quite a fun sidekick as well. Yeah, and much less annoying than. Is it Fee or whatever in Scarlet Sword? You yeah. just pop up every five minutes and be like, "Oh, by the way, you move the you move the stick to to, to walk." I'm like, <laughs> go away, Fee. I know how to play as Elf. <laughs> uh, it's like on the on the range of uh, Midnight to Navi. How far does this sidekick fall into the annoying zone? Fee's past Navi. <laughs> At least sometimes Navi would just alert you, but you could ignore her. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas V is like, we'll interrupt what you're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is a bit weird, really, that they're releasing Skyward Sword, considering Breath of the Wild has been so popular, and everybody's waiting, chomping at the bit for Breath of the Wild 2. It's like... If they, if they haven't got the news for it, they haven't got the news for it. I mean, they did announce that they had no news for it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's probably one of those things where it's still just... Especially with the last year and everything, it's probably development's been delayed and yeah. they just don't really have much to report. Mm -hmm. well, my surprise with the Direct was there wasn't more Zelda news because there have been like rumours about them doing like a Zelda All-Stars, similar to the, the Mario stuff, because mm -hmm. it is the Zelda anniversary tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it's the 35th anniversary, so I would have thought that they'd have done something with that, but they've... It was just Skyward Sword. Yeah. Yeah. And That's and and an update to Age of Calamity, but, you know. Yeah, that's what surprised massive. me a lot, was the, the fact that I was hoping that I was going to get more remastered games because mm -hmm. I, I kind of skipped the HD version of Wind Waker, which is mm. one of my favourite um, Zelda games. And I would have liked to have played that on the Switch with the mobile aspect that I could just play that as I go along. Mm -hmm. But I would like to have seen some more remasters of the older Zelda games, or at least them introduce either um, an N64 on the like the virtual arcade thing, so you could play mm. some of the older games. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't seem to have done as much with Zelda as they did with Mario, and they didn't really do that much with Mario, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Considering these like two of their biggest franchises from way back in the NES days, they've not really innovated as much, it seems to be. And I suppose they were probably 
probably worrying about having Majora's Max released again at another cost, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people must have missed out the Wii, Wii U era of games because the Wii was more of a fitness slash sports console for most people, and the Wii U <laughs> sold worse than a pair of soggy old underpants, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, the thing with the Wii U was everyone thought it was the tablet. Yeah. And it wasn't, so... Yeah. Yeah, Gingerbeard Jenkins in the chat has said the best part about St- Skyward Sword was the stamina mechanic. That was just super limiting and didn't improve <laughs> <Sort> gameplay. <laughs> yeah. Um, of all the games to think... re-choose to re-release, probably not the best choice. Um, but, I mean, there were a couple of other sort of relatively major game announcements because they had um, Splatoon 3 was the, the sort of big last reveal um, and as a Splatoon fan I'm very very interested in that one um, very curious about like the whole like desert area at the beginning like it feels like they might be opening up the single player mode maybe uh, that could be interesting to see how they do that um, and I mean the standard gameplay looks the same um, but now you can kind of like choose where you start on the stage from the looks of things because you know there's the bit in the trailer where they target the area and yeah. jump straight to that bit rather than just everyone spawning at the the entrance and moving in which i think would be quite cool and would make things a lot more chaotic mm-hmm. and i'm down with it being more chaotic <laughs> yeah it's not a franchise i've i've tried yet for some reason i don't know why i've never played mm. splatoon it's a bit weird um, but what are your thoughts on that crazy what looked like basically just another clone of ninjala or whatever it is where you throw things around it was like seemed like it was like super dodgeball deluxe oh the knockout the, the knockout kings one or whatever yeah. it was that what was going yeah, on with that my my uh, twitter reaction to that was oh no this looks obnoxious because <laughs> 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 like the, it, at the and the trailer was really misleading because they start off with like the you had like a Call of Duty style soldier and you had a World of Warcraft style orc and you had like this pixelated princess character. And I thought, were they doing some sort of like weird genre hopping thing? And then it cuts to the gameplay and it's just it's just Overwatch with rugby in it. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what was the point of all that stuff at the beginning? Yeah. It's it seems an ill time director for this because we've just had Bowser's Fury slash Mario three D all three D three D world come out. And it's kind of like, you think they would have at least given a bit of a mention to that. There's like now available as a bit. For, I think they did. I think they did. Yeah. But I think it was like super, super brief. So. Yeah, because um, that feels like a game that's been hung over since last year. And it's like, oh, we missed the launch window. We'll just shove it out in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think like the one game that seems to have caught most people's attention, uh, the whole thing was, it was uh, Square Enix's... A new tactics RPG, which currently has the terrible working title of Project Triangle Strategy. Um, Could it be any um, worse than Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the um, it's from the the Octopath Traveler developers, so it's got that same art style where they've got like a lot of three D models, but it's all made to look very pixelated, and you've got the the sprite work going on in it, and like that game looked great. Um, I was disappointed with Octopath towards like at one, I think about halfway through the game, it gets really grindy. So I kind of gave up on it. But um, up to that point, it was an excellent game. Uh, so I'm, I'm very interested in this new one, especially as it's like, it seems to be doing for Final Fantasy Tactics what Octopath Traveler was doing for classic Final Fantasy. 
So it'd be very interesting to see how that goes. And that does seem to have been like the big highlight for a lot of people because it was just such a sudden announcement of basically it's Octopath Tactics, <laughs> essentially. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it looks like an interesting one. So, mm -hmm. Any highlights for you, Matt? Um, I would probably just say it is uh, Project Triangle was the only thing that made me go, oh, okay. But I think my, my biggest issue with, I think, the Switch in general, which I've said before, is I like it as a console. I like the games, but I don't like the price tag. And I think a lot of this, Skyward Sword, is like the perfect example where it's ridiculously priced. And the worst thing is that they don't really go down in price either. Um, and even same with uh, sort of Project Tri uh, Triangle, uh, some of the path tried before it, like a really good game, but it's the style and everything is quite indie, but it's still got a AAA price tag. I know it's I know it's Square Enix, mm -hmm. etc. But I think to go from let's say when we went with the Wii, one of their selling points was you can have one of the other consoles and a Wii because it was that cheap and that accessible and fair enough the the first party IP was still really expensive like Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart etc was still quite expensive you still had loads of other games that weren't so bad sorry <laughs> <laughs> but I think with the Switch like it's all still pretty yeah. expensive for what it is especially with a lot of it is just ports or uh, sort of remasters which aren't a bad thing but yeah i mean in terms of like the ports and stuff i think the wii u ports are fine because no one had a wii u so you know <laughs> it's, it's a way for those because there's a lot of really good games that were on the wii u but like no one played them because no one had a wii u so giving them that second lease of life i don't have a problem with but uh yeah. but yeah i mean like nintendo's pricing is terrible yeah like Can... even i think something like arms which came out like early on in the switch's lifestyle like life, lifespan and just didn't has not come down in price. And you'd think a game that didn't sell very well, you'd think at some point they'd bring it down just to try and push it a little bit. But no, mm -hmm. just just going to yeah. keep that at 16. Because I've Why always not? viewed the Switch as like a companion console to me. It's like you'd have a PlayStation mm -hmm. 5 and a Switch or an Xbox one mm -hmm. and a Switch. And I don't think it's ever kind of lost that tag because it's kind of an amalgamation between what was a Wii and a Nintendo DS pretty much sort of taped together into this console to me it's it's mm -hmm. the portable console it's it's my secondary console and although mm -hmm. on the nintendo store there is a great amount of android games and there's some fairly decent android games on there as you mentioned the first party stuff seems to be so overpriced considering we're in the middle of a pandemic as well to be asking that kind of cost for some people who may be unable to afford that anymore, it feels a bit like it is gouging on Nintendo's point because they've stuck with cartridge and then they can therefore enforce that cost to people. Even with, even mm -hmm. with the digital downloads, sometimes the digital downloads are now more expensive than going into a shop and buying them. It's kind of, it seems backwards pricing a little bit for me. That's why people make jokes about like, oh, it's um, it's normally at forty nine ninety nine, and now it's on sale for forty two ninety nine. Yeah, but I understand it is a great way for people to get into more of the indie gaming scene at the same time, and I think it's become more of a power for indie gaming than it has for actual first party Nintendo titles. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular highlights you guys are looking forward to? 
which which would be your game of choice. I know yours is going to be Splatoon three later. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, with with um, triangle strategy as yeah. opposed to second. But yeah, I mean, it does to me. I think I've always been put off because it looks like Fisher Price Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> but then it makes you wonder: Are they trying to? Are Nintendo trying to get a bit more esportsy? I don't know because Splatoon has already got itself a bit of a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in some circles, it is quite well sort of streamed, that kind of thing. So it is our Nintendo trying to break into that a bit more, or are they just doing Nintendo stuff? You never really know. Because yeah. um, I mean, I mean, with that, like, there's something just this morning where someone pointed out that Nintendo views Splatoon as one of their big franchises. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there's enough of a scene around it for that to to be a thing. Because some people have been like going, "Oh, but Splatoon three isn't a big announcement," but then. You look at Nintendo's offices and like there's a big mural in the, the hallway and you've got like Mario, Zelda, Isabel from Animal Crossing and an inkling from Splatoon, which sort of says these are our Paul, corner Paul Pitt and Star Fox, man, sidelined completely. Are they in the, they in the back of a dusty <laughs> warehouse somewhere? It's like, oh, I remember we had the space franchise. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Talking of, of the week, uh, we're now going to transition into Lee's picks of the week, and after that, we'll be speaking to Stacy from Stacy's Pop Culture Parlor. We're returning after that for the results of the setting the scene competition. Hello, and welcome to the portion of the show where I talk about my games of the week. A couple of weeks ago, game of the week was nuts. No, really, that's the title. Nuts is a narrative-driven game about a nature researcher who's been noticing something odd going on with squirrels. Using cameras and other investigative tools, your aim is to keep watch over the bushy-tailed inhabitants of a forest because they're up to something. You're certain of it. It was such a bizarre premise for a game that I couldn't not make it Game of the Week. It's a game about being paranoid over squirrels, which is just wonderful. Game of the Week last week was Little Nightmares 2, the sequel to 2017's horror-themed platformer from Bandai Namco and Little Big Planet assistant developers Tarzier Studios. I adored the first game, which saw you play as a little girl in a raincoat trapped on a giant ship full of creepy characters who wanted to do her harm. It had a gruesome yet cartoony aesthetic that looked like some horrible stop-motion production. The sequel offers more of the same as you play as new character Mono, assisted by the original protagonist Six. It looks to offer more of the tense hide-and-seek gameplay of the original, with more of the messed-up visuals the first game did so well. I've been trying to keep information about this game hidden from myself to avoid spoilers, so I can't say much more than this, but I am ready to play this. This week's Game of the Week is Mutropolis, a point-and-click adventure about space archaeologists. You play as a man named Henry Dijon as he discovers a lost city on an abandoned Earth far in the future. I've played a little bit of this one, courtesy of the publishers, and so far there's a great art style and the writing is top-notch. If this holds up for the full game, it's looking like something special that could rival even the best LucasArts titles. There will be a full review of this on the site very soon. But for now, let's go back to the main show. Welcome back to the Geeky Remy podcast. Stacey, it's been a long while since we've had you on, and thank you for coming and helping helping us celebrate our fifth anniversary oh thank you for having me and congratulations on turning five Yay. you're actually like out of the toddler stage now <laughs> are you in your own pants no way yeah. hold on <laughs> it's like that episode of wandavision we're actually at the stage now where all the candles are on the cake together yay i love wandavision so much 
so, such a good show. It's such so a great good. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, how are you and how have you been and how's lockdown been treating you? <laughs> cool, what a loaded question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Um, I mean, you know, the honest answer is I'm all right-ish, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Lockdown has been tough. Uh, yeah. You know, on top of all the usual, um, you know, not being able to see everybody and not being able to go out and do things and have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband decided to just have his kidneys fail oh. in September for a laugh. Uh, no, <laughs> I make it sound like he did it on purpose, but uh, yeah. he did not. We went for an eye test and they mm-hmm. said, hmm, something's going on in there, mate. And so we ended up in hospital and it turns out his blood pressure was insane and his kidneys fell over. Right. So <laughs> sort of on top of all the sort of, you know, general panic yeah. of a pandemic anyway and the fact that, you know, I couldn't see any of my family to support. I also had a husband who was in hospital for nearly two weeks that I couldn't go and see because mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been really weird. <laughs> yeah, is he on the road to recovery now, I hope? He is, yeah. We've, um, he's been on, on dialysis and stuff for a few months now, but he's just started being able to dialyse at home, which is great because obviously as soon mm-hmm. as he got sick, we were both considered to be high risk then, like we're a yeah. high risk household. But, of yeah. course, he was going out three times a week to have dialysis. So uh, mm. we were just like every time he would go out, I was panicking that he'd have a COVID test at the yeah. dialysis centre and they'd say, well, you've got COVID and now we're going to have to take you into the hospital because mm-hmm. – covid is a nightmare um yeah so yeah feel, I'm, I'm steadily getting better um but i also i also work in an nhs charity so yeah. work has been completely insane as well <laughs> yeah it just it feels like it's been coming at me from all angles and i cannot wait for a period where i can like just like sleep for like two weeks straight or something that'd be great <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of the things that a lot of my, myself and my wife have been very lucky to be honest we're both still full-time employed Mm. They're, they're, we've been stuck at home we've not had any health scares or anything like that and we, we can't really complain we've been very lucky and a lot of people don't see that aspect of it I don't think where like they've been in a similar situation like myself where they have been lucky yeah, uh, and they've not been able to uh, have unfortunately ha- they've been a- avoiding the experiences such as you've had yeah. to, to phrase it that way yeah it's one of those things though where it's like I don't know if it's actually kind of making me a bit more resilient though because you know when it when Rich first got sick it was a it was like a meltdown I just I was like well I don't know what to do like I'm literally on my own now in the house and Mm -hmm. I mean I am sort of your classic useless woman when it comes to household stuff so had there have been oh I don't know like uh, a fuse box go or a giant spider in the house while Rich was in hospital I might have just burnt the whole house down and moved out yeah (laughs) so uh you know I was quite lucky that none of that happened but I've sort of got to the point now where I'm kind of like well we got we got through all of that so maybe I'm not like a complete mess Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. uh, so that's been good and to be honest like being able to keep doing the podcast has been yeah. fantastic because it's a great way to like keep in touch with people uh and chat about you know random shite that's not covid can i swear yeah. i just swore <laughs> it's all right i've got the bleep button ready <laughs> <laughs> i'm so used to swearing that i was just like ah just just swears i'm used um, to it from your last few visits put it that way <laughs> yeah I was, I was just gonna say i'm pretty sure i do this every time where i'm just like casually dropping c-bombs and whatnot and everybody's looking at me like stop it <laughs> 
I've got to say, it's quite a nice change to not be in the world's hottest studio, though, to record yes. this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been weird swapping to recording from home for all of us, I think. Yeah. It's just, just that having a different locale and trying to arrange it, and it must be the same for yourself, trying to arrange people for video podcasts seems to be five times as hard as rather than just saying <laughs> be at a location at this time of day. Yeah, it's and to be honest, I'm not I'm not that helpful when it comes to that sort of thing anyway. Because like obviously, I I don't have a regular co-host, so I usually just ask uh, any old Tom, Dick, and Arrow to <laughs> uh, to come on the show. Um, but I am notorious for being forgetful or uh, having a bit of an IBS episode. So mm. it's like trying to nail down a day when both me and a co-host are gonna you know remember to actually do it and then not be violently ill throughout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite an achievement. I'm amazed that I've got this far. Yeah, with with doing the podcast because I don't think I've missed many. Mm-hmm. I think I think I only took a little break after the last live show because it drove me a bit bananas. Well, I think doing 24 hours worth of content kind of gives you a couple of weeks off. Yeah, yeah. I think I did, a friend of mine did say that afterwards because I said I was feeling guilty for taking time off the podcast, and he was like, "You just put out 12 episodes in like." Yeah the two weeks after the live show. So that's a year's worth of content for you. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> when you well, put it that way, yeah, I'll go yeah. and have an holiday. <laughs> well, it, give, it gives you a few weeks off and gives people time to catch up if they're listening on the commute. Uh, you are a podcasting veteran. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before off air. You've been going for nearly 14 years now. Yeah. Uh, have, have you noticed the, sur- the surge of podcasts during lockdown? uh yeah but not mine uh <laughs> if anything i've somehow lost listeners um yeah. no i it's podcasting is one of those weird things where it seems to have like peaks and troughs um there'll be times when i'll mention it and people will be like what is what is a podcast what are you talking about um and then other times when people come to me and be like have you have you heard of serial it's a podcast <laughs> do you know of this and i'm just yeah. looking at them like you know crying in 10 years of podcasts um <laughs> It just seems like every celebrity and their partner now has a podcast. Yeah, and to be fair, like, because I know a lot of people sort of complain about that, but to be honest, like, I listen to a bunch of those. I think some of them are really great. Mm. Um, I think I think that's the magic of podcasting, really, is that anybody can do it and anybody yeah. can listen to anything, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't begrudge people not listening to mine because I don't promote it very well. <laughs> I'm very British. I'm like, oh, do you want to listen to this podcast? Do you know what? You probably yeah. won't like it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll just give you the link. It's it's a completely up to you. Don't don't worry about it. That that very yeah. British way of doing it. I uh, I made the mistake of buying like 200 business cards at the start of 2020, thinking this will be the year <laughs> that I promote everything. Yeah. And uh, now I've I've literally the idea of handing somebody a business card just seems alien to me <laughs> yeah it's like to hit here's something i've just touched and breathed over yeah. Please don't worry it. i haven't licked it <laughs> yeah i mean i was talking about this with one of the other guests graham that we've had on previously and he was like was really talking about how much we've missed the convention scene yeah but at the same time i think it's going to be completely different when we go back yeah i tell you what i haven't missed is like the con flu uh yeah <laughs> con crud definitely yeah. did that being basically stuck in a warehouse with 10,000 people or bringing diseases from all over all parts of the country and like spreading it around. Yeah. Yeah. You may as well have just like everybody just had like a licking party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But how have you managing to keep yourself sane during the lockdown and with the, the COVID situation? Is there anything that's really like you've sent yourself into to separate oh, yourself from the world? I've just been like watching everything. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a bit of a notorious reputation for being the person who, for some reason, has a pop culture podcast, but then any time a guest comes on and goes, oh, have you seen this thing? I'm like, no, I've never even heard of it, in fact. <laughs> um, so I've been, yeah, I've just been watching like anything and everything that I can put my eyes onto. Um, mm-hmm. I think Rich and I, well, Rich watched more than me, but um, we watched, I think it was at least 500 films. Wow. In 2020. <laughs> yeah. And nearly all of those were films that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um so we're aiming for like a new record this year, depending on, you know, at what point we can get yeah. out and about again. That, um, that's like at least 10 films a week on average. That's, that's some strong going. Yeah, there were some days where we would literally just like, I mean, on Halloween last year, we just did a, a movie marathon. I think we, I think it might have been eight, eight horror, horror movies we watched on the Saturday. Wow. <laughs> we were just like, yeah, stick another one on. Why not? Um <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a bit bananas, but it's 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 one of those things where you know the joys of having things like Netflix and Mubi and like all the other streaming platforms. It's meant that there's just been like a constant flow of yeah. things that I can entertain myself with. It's been that, and it's been books. I've been reading a lot more mm-hmm. uh, than I normally would because usually I've got the attention span of a fish. That's why I like comics because <laughs> I'm like can read a comic in like five minutes and be like yeah that was good whereas a book i've got to actually like you know remember what's happening yeah. <laughs> what who's this character and what's going on um yeah. but yeah it's been it's been pretty much just like staring at the telly for me mm-hmm. i need to i need to actually exercise more <laughs> <laughs> i need to what i need to do is get like a step machine or something that i can do whilst i'm watching all yeah. the films in the world but like to give you an example of like some of the uh some of the things that I've caught up on that most people would be like, I can't believe you haven't seen that already. Uh, I finally watched Fight Club last year. <laughs> great film. David, it is a great film. Finest. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those films that so many people would talk about and then they'd be like, literally cannot believe you haven't seen that. What kind of ginormous div are you? And I'm like, well, <laughs> pre- a pretty big one, to be fair. But yeah. it, got to, it kind of got to a point where I sort of didn't want to watch it because I was like, what if it's terrible? Because I've put it on too high of a pedestal, but it turns out yeah. it's great, so I needn't have worried. Um, but that's the level you're looking at of, you know, things that I haven't seen that I absolutely should have. Yeah. And it's been a great opportunity to catch up, as you said. Yeah. And, like, the thing is when you watch films like that and then you watch other things afterwards and then you get all the references referring back to that that you missed the first time round. Oh, yeah. Like, The Simpsons has taken on a whole new level for me since I've started watching more <laughs> films that were made, like, you know... Yeah. before the past couple of years when I had a Cineworld card. <laughs> Which reminds me, I'm not getting that back because Cineworld are terrible. I don't know if you're allowed to slander um, companies on your podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought I'd uh, throw that out there. not going to get yeah. that renewed anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really that much choice of cinema chains left. No. I think we'll have Odeon and, as you've said, Cineworld and maybe one or two others. Yeah, I never thought I would miss, like, you know, the sticky floors and the other people of a cinema, but I really do. Mm-hmm. And what was what was your last movie at the cin- the big screen then? Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> On Valentine's Day 2020, Rich and I went to see Sonic the Hedgehog, and to be fair, it was really good. 
It's it's been one of the better video game adaptations, I think. Yeah, it really has. It's one of those films that like I went in sort of not really expecting a lot because I thought, you know, a lot I mean I do really like the Sonic games, but there's not that much of a story there in terms of changing it into a film. Which yeah. as a total aside is one of the many reasons why I dislike the Resident Evil movies because there is a bloody perfect story there yeah. for a film and you fluffed it up, lads. Uh but yeah, with Sonic it was like I just I'll just want to have a laugh at this. And I did. I had a laugh and it was adorable. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and you know, Jim Carrey was good value. Yeah. So yeah, that'll do. That'll do nicely. Of course, I don't think it would have been my, you know, initial choice of last film you see at the cinema for a year. <laughs> or maybe more. Yeah. But you know, it's pretty yeah. good. I liked it. I mean, there's much worse films that you could have gone out on of the cinema on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I only actually saw four films at the cinema last year. Um, so it was Little Women, 1917, Jojo Rabbit, and Sonic. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a mixed bag there. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. No, that's really good. Any book recommendations that you've discovered? Oh, well, I read a trilogy last year that I'm sure most people who care about like sort of sci-fi fantasy stuff would have already read, but it was mm-hmm. news to me. Uh, and I'm blanking on the name and I'm trying to store and it's not it's not working. <laughs> I think it was called the Broken Earth Trilogy and it's by N.K. Jemison. Not heard of it. So <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic. It's about like, um, well, it's set in a sort of world where people can control the earth, like, mm and the weather and stuff. And it's, I, I don't really want to say too much about it, but it's so well-written because um, the lady who writes them is or was a psychologist. So she's got a really good grasp of, like, character arcs and development and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So on top of being, like, a phenomenally, you know, exciting in terms of the story, it's also, like, you really get attached to these characters. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, it was a fairly hefty couple of books. And I think I busted through it in, like maybe two weeks, the whole trilogy. Just loved it. Yeah. Really good stuff. That's always a sign of a good book when you just try and get through it as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, and then you're sad at the end, like, oh, yeah. some more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got some admissions to do myself. I mean, I just finished watching the Harry Potter franchise for the first time all the way through. So originally I'd watched it to Prisoner of Azkaban and never carried on. Yeah. But, but I took the opportunity to actually watch them all. And <laughs> I don't think I'll be watching them again anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. I, for some foolish reason, a few years ago, did a Harry Potter marathon. So we started at like six in the morning and finished at like 2 a.m. the next day. Mm-hmm. And I got to the end and I was like, these films the, 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 and the books, they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally everyone is the same. It's just the kids are getting a bit older and like marginally less crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're good films and they're great popcorn entertainment is the best way to phrase it. Mm. But you can put it on and just forget about the world for two hours. But yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I think I agree that it's it's not a Star Wars, is it, at the end of the day? No, and I do no. love a Star Wars. <laughs> right, and um, what are you planning to do post-lockdown? Any plans, anything coming up in the future? Well, it is mine and Richie's 10th wedding anniversary in May. Congratulations. (laughs) Which uh, is shocking to me because I don't feel like I'm grown up enough to have been married at all, let alone to have been married for 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, fingers crossed that we might be able to at least see some family. 
yeah. maybe. Um, but for me, the big thing is going to be uh, cinema and gigs. God, I miss live music. <laughs> Yeah. So much. And food. God damn, I miss Wagamamas. <laughs> oh my God, I just want some gyoza in my life. I am outside of the delivery zone for a Wagamamas and it's yeah. so sad. <laughs> and a takeaway is just not the same, is it? It's not. It really, it's like, and I keep seeing adverts on TV because I'm like, you know, all those delivery services must be raking it in at the moment. But we keep seeing these adverts that are like, oh, KFC, McDonald's, Wagamamas, Nando's. Yeah, we're outside of the delivery zone for like, all of them. They <laughs> <laughs> attempted to move house just to get inside the delivery zone. Yeah, I did joke with Rich a bit, just like I don't know, renting an apartment in the city centre, just just so that on occasional days when we feel like it, we can go and live there, so we can have a takeaway. Yeah, but that would be quite an expensive wagon, Mamas. <laughs> Very expensive, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, it shouldn't be too much longer for the UK with the vaccination schedule. Fingers crossed. Oh yeah, I've already had my first half. Oh, congratulations. It was very exciting yeah. slash terrifying. Yeah, I think I'll be at the back of the queue, but fingers crossed it won't be too long for everyone. Indeed. Yeah, and where can we find you online? Where's all your social medias, etc.? Oh, well, if you want to hear more of this insane wafflings or inane wafflings, <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, and that is Stacey with an E and Parlour with a U for my uh, American listeners. Um or you can uh, find the show Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour at mm-hmm. popcultureparlour.podbean.com or on your podcatcher of choice and all that other stuff that, that podcasters say. And you've got a few other podcasts as well. I mean, I'm sure this is... Are you still doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one? Oh, sadly not, no, because we ran out of things oh, to talk about after okay. they stopped uh, they stopped making the movies and we ran out of cartoons to talk about. But... I do a show called Stace Bob and the Dweebs, which is about retro cartoons in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also do a show on the Geek Syndicate Network with Barry Nugent called Stace and Barry in the morning. Uh, <laughs> totally not ripped off from yeah. Community at all. <laughs> Shifty eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can find that at geeksyndicate.co.uk. So plenty, plenty of entertainment there. So, so much Stace yeah. everywhere. <laughs> you've got plenty of time to go back and listen before the pandemic ends and we all get out of lockdown so really recommend you do stacy it's been wonderful to have you back and definitely not going to leave it as long this time oh definitely as soon as we're allowed to see each other in person again you're getting a massive stace hug that's for sure awesome i've missed those (laughs) stacy being wonderful thank you very much oh thanks for having me and thanks very much to stacy there uh it's wonderful to have her back on the show. Uh, if you want to check her out, she's on Podbean at Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour or popcultureparlour.podbean.com. You can find her on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour. She's actually celebrating her ninth anniversary of the Stacey's Parlour podcast as well this month. So really, really good stuff. Really do check it out. She also does Stacey and Barry in the Morning, which is a great podcast, which is from Barry Nugent, who does Geek Syndicate. Really, really interesting. Check those out. Uh but now it's time for the results of our setting the scene challenge. So if you were watching earlier, you'd remember uh, I set Keith, Lee and Matt the challenge of beavering away and recreating a classic Mario moment whilst we were recording the show. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks, Ryan. Yeah. That was nice of you. So uh, it's been entertaining hearing the noises coming from Pete's end, <laughs> which you guys at home haven't been able to hear. It sounded like an A-team special when they drive into the van and the doors close. <laughs> there was there was hammering, there was welding, I assume, at one point. <laughs> Pretty sure there's a power drill. Yeah, yeah I should have done a montage of the... the, the process so, oh no it's the photographing stage metal clanging <laughs> <laughs> right who wants to go first and explain their picture no we're gonna do them in order of completion whoever, whoever yeah, did this right. first okay matt i'm gonna reveal your picture now so uh do you want to explain to the audience what it is all about um, well, clearly it's quite self-explanatory. It's a uh, homage to Super Mario Brothers 3, um, but with a little bit of new Super Mario Brothers thrown in for good measure. Um, I also tried to use my bin as a pipe, but the bin was black and the curtains are black, so you can't really see it. Um, I'd also like to give a special shout out to my housemate for helping me with this recreation, this very detailed recreation. Right. Lee, you're up. Okay, so um, what we're looking at is um, Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, which uh, mainly because I looked at my uh, various bits of gaming merchandise and was like, oh, I've got a Princess Peach and I've got a Shy Guy, so therefore I can do Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, we've got uh, a dice that represents the power block and we've got like story cubes that represent the sort of grassy platforms that you have in that the the green sharpie is supposed to be a vine because i didn't have anything that was just like green on its own and uh yeah just some uh some uh, wii u boxes as as the sky because uh you know gotta keep it nintendo and also it's the right color <laughs> um keith yeah um haven't got any game-related paraphernalia around the house, <laughs> apart from actual games and consoles. Um, so in my real life, uh, I've been doing uh, lots of cardboard crafting uh, for workshops. So I've got a proliferation of these things knocking around. These are cardboard tubes. They could come from the insides of many things, <laughs> um, not necessarily what you first think. Um, so I just thought, oh, I'm going to recreate one of the first three Mario games using cardboard tubes to make um, tubes, obviously, warp tubes. Uh, and then they were also used to make a piranha plant. And and then I just used other cardboard from the insides of um, off-brand cereal. You can see the carnage uh, from that there. Uh, to create Mario, uh, a mushroom, and a Goomba. And then just plonked them on the table in front of the window. Uh, and that was it. Right. Instant recreation of Mario. Awesome. Right, so we're going to ask our audience. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to be the final decision, like RuPaul, but <laughs> I will ask our audience if there's any particular favourites they like. You can just drop it in the comments now. But I'm going to take them. Do we need to sing a Mario song now as like our <laughs> final thing? Is that, is that if, what we have to do? If you could remember the theme from the original Super <laughs> Mario Brothers cartoon starring Captain Lou Albano, there may be extra points allowed. No, I don't know that. <laughs> no, I do know the extra Mario song, but not that one. <laughs> It just makes something up. Super Mario, Super Mario, Super Mario. It's me, Super Mario. Yo! Yo! I didn't do a Yoshi, yeah. but 
Yeah, that was too hard. Yeah, I'm sure there's a video somewhere where many, many moons ago, me and Lee met the voice of Mr. Mario on our YouTube channel at one of the MCM yep. Comic Cons, if you ever want to go back and check that out. Mr. Charles Martin, I think. Yeah. Right. But I am going to choose my winner now. <laughs> <laughs> and Keith actually looks like it could be a Nintendo game. It looks like Paper Mario, the next series. See, if you said Paper Mario, Keith, you would have won this one. Uh, <laughs> but oh well. I'm actually going to choose Matt for for our winner, just just mainly because <laughs> roping somebody else in, <laughs> and what looks like you've shaved your beard perfectly to be, to represent the Mario moustache in that picture. <laughs> I mean, it's, like... it is quite impressive that Matt got John Lugosiamo to to partner <laughs> up with him uh, to to create the Mario Brothers. Yeah. But yeah, it's also it's a good kind of Mario in lockdown. You know, there's no budget for it either. <laughs> but let himself go. Yeah. Then. So round of applause for Matt. And this also means that Matt gets to choose the next setting the scene challenge when we uh, return on our next podcast. But uh, time for us to go into an interview now. And Steve, uh, Keith, you spoke to Steve Tanner from Time Bomb Comics. Do you want to just explain a little bit of that before we transition? Yes, Steve uh, is a very local Birmingham-based writer. He's been writing for Time Bomb Comics uh, for a while. So obviously with the last 12 months, it's been a strange old time for um, small publishers who would normally make a lot of money from um, selling at cons. So I spoke to Steve about his um, two latest books, which are Brawler and the Kickstarter for his latest Flintlock. Hope you enjoy. And joining us now on our fifth anniversary show, we have the wordsmith extraordinaire, Mr. Steve Tanner. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hi there, Keith. Thanks for inviting me on. It's it's great to see you. It's been a very extraordinary year since we've kind of last ran into each other, which would have been at uh, one convention or other. Um, so, kind of what? How have things been for you during um, the past twelve months? Well, well, to be honest, they've been really busy. Um, I think, um, obviously, I think when, when it all kind of, we all closed down uh, a year ago, first of all, March last year, um, I think, um, like, like many people, I was expecting the worst. Um, but um, it actually turned out to be quite a, a, still a very busy year. I think part of it was because, um, obviously, one of, the, one of the big parts of, of, my, of my creative year anyway, are the, the conventions and shows, which all kind of stopped. Um, but because they stopped, suddenly I, I, I think I found I had much more time to actually create the comics, which I go to the conventions to kind of promote. So over the course of the year, even though I wasn't going to shows every other weekend, I was still getting a huge amount done. So creatively, it was it was almost um, not so much business as usual, better than business as usual, because I was able to just get my head down and crack on with things and there was no kind of distractions. And, and as you probably know, you know, um, for a lot of kind of creative people, certainly artists, writers, even before kind of um, things locked down, we, we, we tend to, to live a very kind of solitary existence anyway, because we tend to kind of do our creative work effectively in isolation um so so in in that regard it, it didn't really change i mean well, the only thing that, that i guess ch- changed in in regard to, to time bomb comics was that we, we we 
um, had planned to release uh, six titles last year, um, and we actually sh- we, re- we rearranged the schedules, and we ended up only releasing three and, and bumping another three into this year, simply because of you know it, it just seemed sensible to do that without the the the, um, the 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 backing of the of the of the shows which which we use to kind of bolster our our um our presence anyway um but it meant that we're kind of ahead of the game now so so this year we've got stuff kind of lined up throughout the year and you know it's stuff which is kind of completely finished and and waiting just for a release schedule to go so so it was it was professionally it was it was it was a strange year um but not a not a dire year but obviously personally it was it was just it was 2020 was just a nightmare year i think it's for so many reasons and it's great to be out of that year and hopefully 2021 will end on a more positive note than um than last year did for us yeah. all because because the last few months for you have been particularly good because we've just had the second issue of brawler uh hit everybody and and that's now i think it's available online and digitally as well uh, for people i really enjoyed the first issue of that because i, I as a, as a child of the 1970s in the UK, the idea of anthology comics is something that I've always really enjoyed. And I've seen, we've seen quite a few of those now coming out. We've had things like Space Walk from Pat Mills and then the, the guys at the, the 77. So it's nice to have some local um, produced comics as well. So how, how has Brawler gone down with the audience? I know the first issue received quite a lot of um, positive reviews. How, how are people um, responding to issue two? really good actually which is great because obviously you know i think with with, with this with with the second issue it's a bit like the second al- album syndrome isn't it um with, with the with the first of anything what you're doing you're selling the concept you're selling the idea which in many ways is a much easier sell um for people to then to come back and pick up the second one the third one or whatever and, and they have to be enjoying what they've experienced from from that that first book um so what was really encouraging was that um you know brawler 2 um there there, there seemed to be a, a real kind of hunger for it anyway but um you know the feedback i've been getting um from from the people who've who've read it and so far has been great they really enjoyed it and you know with people saying they enjoyed it more than the first one which 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 was which is great to hear um mm-hmm. so um i i, I can't complain about how uh, brawler 2 has been received and you know that that's been our first release this year so that went out um that was launched in january so we started this year with a bit of a bang really so it's been great is there a brawler 3 in the planning are, are we likely to get a third issue um, I would hope there will be a brawler three. It won't. It's unlikely to be out this year. Um, the, you know, it, it's simply because it, you know the, the art, the creators involved. They need a bit of time to put everything, everything together, um, and we don't want to just rush it out for the sake of rushing it out. Um, I, I, you know, there was a long gap between brawler one and brawler two, and part of that was it was one of the books held over from last year so the original plan was, was was to have it out in 2020 but obviously we, we kind of then pushed it back so there was a slightly longer wait than um than we, we expected but um hopefully 
um, we can do a, a third one um, or even a fourth one um, if, if the appetite is there. There's certainly kind of the feedback we're getting is that people enjoy it. Um, and it's, But it's just a case of making sure that what that the creators that are involved with it are happy to kind of uh, contribute the stories um, because and, and we because we work it out on, on, a, on an issue by issue basis. So we, we don't lock in any of the creators as to any kind of extended kind of contract with it. We, we, we just do it as we go along. So all the, all the creators that are currently involved in Brawler 2, um, they'll be contacted to see if they want to be involved with the with the next one um and depending what that kind of um that response is will kind of dictate how quickly we can get it out because obviously if some of the creators decide no they've enjoyed it but they, they, they their plate is full and with other things projects that they're doing then we, we then kind of trawl around to find other stories that would fit in to the the concept of the book so um but i I'm, i would like there to be certainly be a third issue and a fourth issue uh beyond that who knows that's good um the other book you've got currently on kickstarter at the moment is i believe it's the fifth volume of, of flintlock can you tell us uh what we can expect from this fifth volume yeah the fifth but Flintlock Book Five that's currently live now, and that finishes on the on the first of March. The the pre order for that, um, and again that's another one that was held over from last year. So we can see we're we're getting the books out now this year as, as quick as we can to try and kind of catch up a little bit. But um, I mean Flintlock is, is a very kind of personal book to me because that's the that's the book which I I, I write all the stories for, um, and and it really comes from a a, a a fascination I've got with with the historical period, the 18th century that the the book covers so um it, it's kind of i don't know it's kind of strange to, to kind of realize that i'm on book five um of, of of that series i mean certainly the you know anyone that's been reading the reading the series so far will kind of know what to expect from it um you know the 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 the, the at the end of book four there was a there was a, a cliffhanger at the end of um the lady flintlock chapter uh we picked that up straight away and we we end with another um cliffhanger um which was which was a it's quite a shocking one to be perfectly honest um and that will lead then into into the conclusion of the lady flintlock story in um flintlock book six um there's also so there's some other returning characters in there we have um we have a uh, peg sparrowhawk returns um which is who which is that like the detective story that's set in in 1790s australia um uh, we've got the plot with cavalier back in a short story um then that's drawn by um francisco Arcadiacono, who did the artwork on the the um the clockwork cavalier special that we brought out a couple of years back and we've got um we go to Japan again uh, in the 1740s, uh, and we got another tale from Honor, who is the uh, the, the blind Bugatia. Um and um, that's again by Caroline Parkinson, who who's a local Birmingham artist. Um, so it's kind of nice to have Caroline back on, on board for that. But I think one of the not the high points of Flintlock Book Five is the cover, because it's by by John Burns. Now anyone that um, that's familiar with British comics in any capacity over the, probably the last 40 years, 50 years or more, will be familiar with John's work because he he started off by drawing girls comics in the in the 1950s um, and then 
pretty much every weekly comic that uh, adventure comic that was published since that since then he's had a part of um he currently um draws paints um, artwork for 2000 AD. He does the order. He was one of the artists on Nikolai Dante. Um, he has an incredible pedigree. He's, he, he's a real master of his art. Um, but to get, so he's done the cover for us and it's a beautiful cover. And it's kind of nice for me in a way because it, it really kind of ticks two boxes because um, when I was growing up, when I, when I was first started reading weekly comics myself, back when I was a kid, there were there were two artists whose style I, I began to recognise straight away. One was Ian Kennedy, who did the book two cover for Flintlock, and the other the other one was John Burns. So to have him doing um, the, the Flintlock five cover, it, it it's um from from me, it's it's kind of fanboy heaven. It's it's it's, it's wonderful to see kind of characters I've created. Uh, being interpreted by these masters of their art is brilliant yeah john's certainly somebody that when you've when you've seen his work you'll instantly recognize it and he's somebody that i've seen in comics since probably the early 70s um, yeah when i start first started reading british comics and having seen him go through the decades and still producing yeah. incredible art all the time and you just think you know he's, he's a genuine master and, and, and it's great to have flintlock having somebody of that caliber and pedigree yeah. contributing covers because the other thing with with flintlock on your kickstarter is you get so much you get so much anyway from the book but also your kind of pledge tiers and then all of the kick the um stretch goals that you get it's like it's a bumper package when you get anything from from one of your kickstarters it's like what what do i do with all of this stuff it's just so great um well, well that's that's great i mean because i mean that's really so much intended because it, it's all about any anyone uh, that's the way i approach the kind of the kickstarter things uh, very much as pre-orders um rather than these all or nothing kind of pleas for funding but because they're a pre-order it, it's about what did they do so you can actually properly reward the people who are good enough to pledge in the first place um so as well as well as you know the one thing about all the you know the sort of the flip-flop kickstarter and all the all that, which all, all the kickstarters i do um Anyone that kind of orders any any of the time bomb books through the Kickstarter will always get that book at a better deal than it will be anywhere else. Even even you know at the shows, direct from me at the shows, or direct from Time Bomb afterwards through the website. Um, it's about adding value, I think, because you know what better way to say thank you to people than to, to, to give them kind of stuff which um, you know is exclusive, is just for them. Um, and, and hopefully they're, they're, they're little keepsakes that they can actually enjoy um, and feel worthwhile. It was um, supporting the book in the first place. So, yeah, that's a key strategy in, in all the kind of uh, the Kickstarter promotions that I do. Yeah, it's always a shame that you haven't got masses of room on the walls for all the prints that you end up getting um, from these. Because it seems a shame sometimes to just have them stored away. Uh, and not have room on the shelves or on the, the walls for them but it's always got you see such a good deal of uh, from the the kickstarter pre-orders you get so much from from yourselves it's it's great and all the all the additional artwork that you get it's, it's a beautiful package so if you haven't already pledged for uh flintlock book six five, book five. get book ahead five, get yeah. ahead for book five and, and <laughs> so you, you we'll put the links in the show uh notes so you'll be able to, to get on onto those um but kind of Away from your, your own personal work, Steve, is has there been anything that you've been reading or watching over the past um, few months that's caught your eye, been been a 
bit of a, a respite from. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm probably the, I'm probably probably the same same as a lot of people. I've I've been um, I've been really you know um, I don't get the opportunity to talk about much things that I watch. So because um, people rarely ask me that, so that's that's a good little question. Um, but um, Wonder Vision, oh my, am I enjoying Wonder Vision? I am I am thoroughly enjoying that weekly little little kind of um, bit of mystery. I, I, I'm loving that show. Um, it's it's been great to enjoy that, and it's interesting really because when, when they first announced all the um, all, all you know all all the all the series, I think it was a couple of years ago now, I think, and, uh, and they mentioned One Division and they mentioned the, the the upcoming kind of Falcon and the Winter Soldier one, and um, I remember at the time thinking. I bet one division that'll be the that'll be the be the sleeper one that'll be the one that will really kind of capture attention, and um, it really has. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying that, and uh, you know there's only three episodes left, which is a shame. But at the same time, I've also found out this week that those final three episodes are going to be an hour long each. So I'm hoping with all the the build up, it's going to be a really really good payoff. Um, so, but I'm, I've been thoroughly enjoying that. That's been um, something which I've, I've you know, I rarely kind of watch episodic TV like bit by bit. I usually do it on on big blocks and catch up that kind of stuff. But um, Friday um, has been my has become over the past few weeks my appointment day to kind of sit and catch up with One uh, Division. Um, I think it's I think it's lovely. It's brilliant. And actually, one of the nicer other things as well about it is that it's something which I'm I'm watching regularly with um, with my daughter as well, who's eleven. So it's become like a little little thing that we do every week. Oh, let's watch it now. Come on, let's watch it. Um, so we're both really excited by it. So it's a, so it's, it has it has that extra dimension of pleasure for me because obviously it's something I'm I'm doing. Me and her, we sit down and we have our our little slice of one division and we get excited about it and then we talk about it afterwards. So yeah, that, that's that's been great. Um, in terms of stuff I'm I'm, I'm reading. Um, to be honest, I, I support a lot of Kickstarters myself. I really do. I'm, I, I've kind of, I think at the moment, I'm, I've pledged for, it, it has a little t- total. And I think at the moment, um, I've pledged for 453 projects in total on Kickstarter because I think it's about giving stuff back as well. It's not just me putting stuff out there for people to buy, it's about me looking at, looking at the great stuff on there and buying it myself. That's part of the fun with it. So um, every, every, few weeks i'll get an envelope through and that's the latest kind of a kickstarter book that i've um i've um bought so there's been some great stuff from there i mean i think this, i mean i've been enjoying the um the 77 stuff that's been i'm finding that really interesting i, I like what they're trying to do there um the sentinel uh the little digest thing again i like what they're trying to do there there's some you know and, and it's a little bit different so i'm enjoying the fact that you know these things are being released through kickstarter the other thing that's not kickstarter which i i've i've been, I've been impressed with um and they've just had two issues out is the shift um anthology book um i think it's incredibly brave launching a um a new stand anthology in the current climate i i, I really i mean you know if, props to them for doing it but um i think it's a really really nice package you know it's 100 pages um it's a really good chunky read um so i'm enjoying that kind of thing as well so there's always stuff which i'm kind of um dipping into but i'll be perfectly honest my my to read pile is huge and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger because 
even though you know there's been lockdown and all this kind of, I just don't have the time to, to do it because I, I'm one of those people that if I've got some time chances are I'll use it to do something for, for you know to carry on creating something I'm already in the mix of or trying to get something finished for because I've got a deadline coming up um it, it's it's the sitting back and, and and just reading for a couple of hours it's a really rare pleasure so it, it's it's you know I've, that's why my, my to read pile is the mountain that it is it's always good when your to read pile never gets any lower and always seems to go up it's it's a it's a good sign <laughs> Uh, Steve, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Um, it's been great to have you along uh, on the journey that we've had uh, with Geeky Brummy for the last five years and kind of, um, you know, uh, seeing you at shows and and hopefully um, supporting you with the, all the incredible books that you are putting out and all the other projects that you're involved with. Um, so it's, it's great that you, you've joined us for our fifth anniversary episode. Uh, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for inviting me and, and, you know, thanks for all your support over the past five years. It really means a lot. And um, I look forward to supporting you guys for at least another five years. Long may you continue. So if people want to find you online, Steve, uh, to support you and the work that you do through Time Bomb, where can they find you? The easiest place to start is um, the, the Time Bomb website, which is timebombcomics.com. So it's nice and easy to remember. Um, so you know that's the portal to our online store as well and also it's got our submission guidelines if anyone wants to kind of um pitch something to us we're always kind of open to receive kind of um submissions um alternatively i i can quite easily be found on 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 social media so if anybody wants to connect with me on social media um they're more than welcome to to hunt me out and and um and get to be that way i think i'm quite easily found and hopefully once once the the conventions do start up again because they will start up again at some point um hopefully then you'll be able to spot me in the crowd there i usually can't kind of, i've been told i kind of stand out from the crowd i don't know how true that is but um you know people are always more than welcome to kind of uh, approach me in person if ever they see me yeah, it's the subtle jackets that, that always work for you, Steve. Blend into the background with those. Um, it's great. Um, but yeah, again, thank you very much for joining us on this show and all the success uh, for the future. Thank you. And we're back. And we're joined by Clytus and Inkling, a red panda and Thor. I'm a squid now. Uh, apologies about the uh, bit of a blip there. Uh, many thanks to Steve Tanner for joining us. And you can find all of his stuff at Time Bomb Comics on Twitter at Time Bomb Comics or on Kickstarter where they have their current Flint Block Book 5 on for the next nine days. So if you want to get some local comic books with fantastic quality, uh, pop over there. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for us today. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, all the people who've been in the chat. Thank you for those who've been watching and keeping quiet. Um, big thanks to my co-hosts today, Keith, Lee, and Matt. We really hope you've enjoyed this fifth birthday special, and you'll be seeing lots more videos on YouTube for us soon. But for now, uh, don't forget to check us out on social media, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Geeky Brummy, and YouTube as well, of course. Uh, Keith, where can we find you online? You can find my regular ramblings on Twitter at hardluck underscore hotel. Uh, but the best thing to do to, for me is to tune in on Wednesdays when I take over the tweet part of a Geeky Brummy and tweet a bunch of comic stuff. 
Brilliant. Uh, Lee, where can we find your details online? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret. Uh, so go right above this stream and type Bob the Pet Ferret in and you'll find me. Um, and uh, you've also, you can also find me on Twitter at Bob the Pet Ferret where I do updates and I tweet more generally at The Cheap Ferret. Um, Matt, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at matchstick underscore Matt taking uh, shameless selfies. Or you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Lovell, where I'm mostly retweeting Geeky Brummy stuff. And you can find me weekly on the Geeky Brummy website as part of the gaming roundup where I talk about esports. And you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter or at Probably Gourmand when I occasionally do my foodie stuff. I think there's a new series of MasterChef starting soon, so... I'll probably be writing angry tweets about Craig Wallace for the next few weeks. <laughs> but, Who does it? Who does it? Uh, we hope you enjoy this fifth birthday special. Thank you so much again. Thank you to everybody for watching who's been on as co-hosts, as guests, as interviewees, as supporters over the last five years. It's been fantastic. And here's for the next five years. But for now, goodbye, everybody.